Absolutely fine, please. Do you see your host stage We've reached the end. The final episode. Well, the final episode of the first run. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So exciting. So exciting. Season three is a But us. also, we sat for a long time before we were able to watch this episode yes. because we didn't want to finish it. Well, you this has been really fun. This I has really been fun. I really have enjoyed going back over all of these episodes and kind of recapping them and analyzing them with you. Yeah. Because honestly, and I, I know I've asked you this a ton of a ton of times. A ton of times. A lot. Yeah. I've asked you. Do you really like this show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I you feel like... And there were... Well, there's some moments when I've questioned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some episodes, like the last episode, where I really did not enjoy the process of watching it. But I always enjoy the, the analysis and the discussion with you. Uh, that's always fun. And episodes like this make the other ones just so worth it. So I just I just feel like I've tainted you. No. You wouldn't have found the show if it hadn't no, been No, that's me. very true. I would never have found it. And I would, would you have come to it naturally? Person. Probably, probably not. I mean, maybe it depends on. I probably would like David Lynch's stuff. Yeah, but so I, I feel like I'd you never seen any. Of no, but before. I feel like it, you would have found it. You would have found Dune probably because of your sci-fi leanings, and from there you would have been like, no, actually, no, you probably would have been like, Dune, no. I'd be like, never gonna Who watch this director. Again. I'm never, <laughs> never going back to that again. Uh, no, I don't know if I ever would have seen it. Possibly, depending on how season three goes, if it's like, if it's critically acclaimed, I'm often, you know, I'm swayed by critics. I'm, I'm, you know, you're I'm one a of those to the to yeah. the to the critical mass and pitchfork uh, is your homepage. yes it's true <laughs> and yeah so depending on how season three got would have gone perhaps perhaps in the other alternate history yeah i i do find it eventually but, but that's not what we're talking about here we're in this history we're in this history and i now. led you to this and um and i've been I'm, very happy to come so along for the ride yeah. i'm glad it's been good it has been fun. We need to argue more. We do it's need to argue more. not agreeable peaks. It's bickering peaks. No, I thought we established it's pedantic peaks now. Because yeah, that's all we, we do really is should. just pick shit apart. Mm, and yes, well, yeah, we do that a lot. Yeah, we do. But this episode we won't because we don't know what the fuck is going nope, on. Nope, no idea. And we've seen this episode now I don't know how many times. Oh, so many times. It's the most. It's the episode I've watched the most yeah. pi- besides the pilot probably. Yeah, I seriously, sometimes I just watch the pilot and then I watch the ending. I don't need to see what happens in between. It's just the beginning and the end are so compelling. Yeah. That it's, but I mean, it's, there's such, I'm kidding by the way, I don't actually do that. Well, you could. And, and I, like, I can't imagine watching them side by side, but because it's such a huge journey that the, oh yeah, and everything. And, but it is nice that you have in this episode because David Lynch comes back to direct it and we do get this nice return to form for all of these characters that have been kind of straying. Yeah. And even even up until the last couple of episodes, they never really found exactly where they were the last time David Lynch was behind the camera. Yeah. Right? No, it's true. So, and, and the last episode was the episode where Leland died. Yeah. So no, this no, no, is, no. That was the episode where Leland was revealed as the killer. Right. You're right. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're that's even like, further. Yeah. So we're talking... 14 episodes ago? 13, 14, something like that, yeah. My math might be off. Yep. Um, so that's a that's a long time to go in between. And, <laughs> and, and a lot has happened yeah. None that of has it, led these characters off well, the paths that David Lynch yeah, kind of envisioned it, yeah, for them, yes, right? Yes, it's true. Yes. And he brings them back. It's, it's, it's really masterful, I think. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, what he does in very brief scenes with characters that we've spent 
needless hours on, uh, he manages to, in in minutes, bring them back to something very understandable and relatable and interesting. Nadine. Nadine, Ed, Norma, that whole Um, triangle. Doc Hayward. Sylvia Horn comes back in this episode. We haven't seen her since Sarah Palmer. Yeah, we haven't seen her since the creepiest thing in the whole episode. Yeah, so um, Heidi comes back. Yeah, yeah. Since the pilot, we haven't seen Heidi. Bobby and Shelly are are one again. It's 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 just so much. There's so much. Yeah, so much happened. Charlotte Stewart is back in this episode, too. Yes, Um, yes. um, This is Briggs. Oh my God! What's her name? Betty. Betty Briggs. Betty Briggs. Betty Briggs comes back. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just, it's wonderful. It is. It really it's, is wonderful. It is quite cool. It's if, if okay. So it's not ideal circumstances because the show was canceled and we didn't get the ending that I think the creators would have wanted back in 1991. Mm-hmm. But if you did want to have a finale episode of a TV show like Twin Peaks. This would be. This was it. One, I, I can't imagine another way where, like I've read this the original script mm-hmm. for this, and it's good. It's fine. It's an ending. It's yeah. a very closed ending, and it's kind of a depressing ending, mm-hmm. the way that it's written. And we'll get into that a bit, but um, but the way that this is done is the only reason why we have it returning twenty five years later. Yes. I really don't think if it had been filmed. The way that it was scripted, we would have as much. No, there would yeah interest exactly because it left on such a cliff. Well, so many cliffhangers, such an amazing cliffhanger for the main character, and just so much visual stuff going on in the middle that it was just incredible to watch. Yeah, and it really built to that sense of mystery and and having no idea what's going on. Uh, that yeah made it so compelling to watch. So it's again like it's like having a having an ending, but also having none of your questions answered. Yeah. And I can't think of any other TV show well, okay. or movie yeah. that isn't directed by David Lynch that does the same thing. I need to fix something in your eyelash. Look up. Look down. Yeah, okay. It was just your eyelashes were crossed over. It was really bugging me. So I fixed it. We're all good now. You have some serious mental issues. <laughs> I think you should get them looked at. Anyway. Uh... Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we haven't watched Lost, yes, which is you know kind of don't crucify high. us in the comments. Yes. We haven't watched Lost. We Sorry. were in university when it was on. Yeah, we just kind of missed that boat, and yeah. we never really. There's on. a whole section of pop culture yeah. in the <laughs> yeah. early to mid 2000s yeah. that we just it's so odd entirely. that we just totally missed that part. <laughs> we're slowly catching up now. We finally saw the finale of Seinfeld. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We saw that when it aired, but. But we did, you know, some of our favorite, like West Wing was on in that time period. We didn't watch it at all. Totally we started watching it afterwards in yeah. like 2008. So well, that seems to be the way that we do this, though. Yes, we catch up. We afterwards. are, we are. I mean, we're very early millennials. I think you could. Ah, late a, millennials. Well, early. Yeah, in early. The sense yeah, that yeah, we were born. 1985 is yeah. kind of like too old, or we're too young to be Gen X. Oh yeah. By, by, by a, long, a shot, long shot. But we don't really quite fit with the millennials. No, the millennials, millennials are the ones who like binge watch TV shows. Nonstop. And, right? And and I think we kind of fit into that. In some sense. So it's going to be tough next week or the week after next when when we have to wait a week in between episodes. Oh, that's just going to be terrible. Yeah, it's, I don't know how we're going to handle it. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. That's future Aiden and Lindsay's problem. But anyway, problem. yes. Future Aiden and Lindsay's problem. Current, right now, Aiden and Lindsay's problem is how we're going to get through this episode. 
Oh, well, prepare for yourself for a long one, yes. guys. This is not going to be a quick discussion. We are, we are hyped so up on much. coffee. Aiden Aiden had his first cup of coffee just a minute ago. I would say I had about a quarter of a cup of coffee. I am not a coffee drinker. He has never had coffee ever. You've I've, had sips. I've had sips of coffee But before. we actually went to Tim Hortons, and he ordered a small triple-triple, which for the uninitiated is a small coffee with three creams and three sugars. So a lot of cream, a lot of sugar. And it was gross. <laughs> yes, it tastes like sugar water, basically. No, it, it t- yes, it does with, you know, coffee Yeah, Aiden's there. so full of crap. It doesn't taste... It, it's very coffee-ish. No. Um, and I still don't appreciate it. But, yes, the caffeine is helpful. I am also opening a Pepsi here. Mm-hmm. We are ready to go yep. for this episode. And there is just so much to talk about. Yep. Let's get started. Where we always start, which is with the details. Yes. So, season two, episode 22, or episode 30 overall, or episode 29, if you count the pilot as a separate thing. It's so confusing. So confusing. That's the only reason why we do the episode titles. Yep. Because That's at the least only there's only one it. episode called Beyond Life and Death. Yes. Love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. That's you can't it screw it up. <laughs> so, uh, yes, Aiden let's... Aiden will do the, the German translation of this. Yes. Jenseits von Leben und Tod. It's not bad. Uh, We've listened to it a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. I did, I did preview this one. So, so here's, here's the real... Yeah. Jenseits von Leben und Tod. Und Tod. Not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, okay. We've met a few German speakers... Uh, online, yes. Online, and, and we haven't had any massive complaints. Well, German Unless is the, a hard language to, yeah, to pronounce. Absolutely. Pronounce, pronounce if you haven't learned English it properly. English is a difficult one for you to... For me to say things? Yes. Agreed. You need to learn to make better mouth. Yes, I do. See, we watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we do watch some quick. TV yes, shows. Yes, yes. But... Anyway. We'll get there. Uh, so, yeah. the the I think this will be the last time that we do a German translation because we're not using German translations of the episode titles. No, I think this is a tradition we should carry on. When they so, translate the, the <laughs> sequence titles for the new episodes, we're going to... German? Well, no. If they just don't, we're going to do it. No, well, we could just do any language. No. We're going to take the English ones oh. and we're going to translate it into German. And then translate it back? Oh, yes. And see what happens. Oh, God. We'll do it. Anyway. Look forward to that. So this episode was written by Harley Payton, Robert Engels, Mark Frost, uncredited writing credit to uh, David Lynch, who significantly rewrote yes. while they were filming. So he's not credited, but um, yes. Let, everyone knows that yes. he he wrote significant because portions or rewrote significant portions of this episode. Because yes, he directed it and he directed it in his very Lynch style. And that involves a lot of just on the set. Throw out the script and let's, let's do go this. With what Let, this, with this, like. this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And, and he ran with it. So, um, yeah, definitely a writing credit deserved in there yeah. for sure. Uh, it, it set on Saturday, March 25th, and the early morning hours of Sunday, March 26th, possibly well, uh, into Monday, Monday March, March 27th. Yeah. Um, the dates get kind of fudgy yeah. around that, that time. And it aired back to back with the episode we uh, just released today. Today, uh, on June tenth, nineteen ninety one. So the log lady. The log lady. The log lady intro for this was was quite good. Yeah. I'm sad that they're over as well because I, I really enjoyed the log lady. I, know, I, I love I love Catherine Coulson. She's and I amazing. love the log lady. The log lady's great. And we should really call her Margaret. This is the Margaret Lanterman yes. opening. Opening. It's so, not the log lady. No. She is she a does, person. She has a name. And it is, name Margaret. is Margaret. She is awesome. And here she's talking about an ending. Not yes. surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and she she kind of starts off 
by saying where once there was one, now there are two. Which is a nice reference to the first episode where she talks about the one being Laura Palmer. Yes. Now there's two. But obviously we're not talking about Laura. We're talking about yes. Dale Cooper, as Dale we find Cooper. out. Um, and it is all about uh, twos and yes. mirrors and doubles, reflections. reflections yes. and, and wherever there's a reflection, there's there's the possibility. Um, oh, yeah, two or more can come out in reflections. Right. So it's not this, you don't look in and see the same thing. There's always the chance that underneath you're going to see right. what's what's there, which is, you know, Leland and Bob is mm-hmm. is the the uh, the preamble to this. Yeah. And then the end of the episode is, yeah. is where it winds up. And it is it is haunting. It is so right on point. And, and the way it's shot, it's just a slow zoom in on her face and it doesn't stop when it right. gets no, to her face. Right, no, it goes face, right into her eye. Right into her eye. And then there's a flash of white I did. I did want to mention the la- one of the last things she says is that only when we are everywhere can we be one. Yes. And I thought that was interesting because we've we've spent a lot of time on Bickering Peaks and also just in general discussions with within the Twin Peaks community, dualism and duality is a big theme. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the one or the all or something that seems to be something like correct me if I'm wrong because it's been a long time since I studied world religion you were the one who did all of that in university Um, there are some Buddhist schools of thinking that are non-dualistic correct and they seek to unify everything in yeah I mean in some from what I remember and again this is many years old but it is kind of a uh that's what nirvana is supposed to be right. is, is a oneness it, right. it, you release your spirit from uh it's earthly bounds. Uh, bounds yeah it's it's uh limitations and it becomes part of an ethereal oneness with the right. universe right and um yeah and and absolutely i think whether some people interpret that as potentially death as well right uh that after death you your soul kind of enters this right um it, it's funny because to me it immediately reminded me of <laughs> an entirely different series uh, series uh, Neon Genesis Evangeline yes. where that's literally what happens at the end of the series yes. is that everyone becomes a puddle of oneness their, yeah. their souls literally conglomerate into uh, just one giant person yeah and that's just I mean that that's it's kind of a similar approach I mean people, we talked people about people Lynch link, has link been Neon, Gen- Gen- Neon Genesis, Genesis Evangeline and Twin Peaks often All, yes because yeah. they both deal with you know similar um, spiritual yeah kind of not not approaches but similar courses of thought philosophical yeah exactly yeah in terms of uh human spirituality so here it is i mean and and we've said before lynch was is hugely into transcendental meditation right and and i mean dale cooper being tibetan buddhist in in thinking whether or not he totally ascribes to that religion or that set of beliefs or not it's it's unclear but he seems to be on that track right and if i remember correctly tibetan buddhism is kind of Interesting in that you kind of there's there's three or four different major branches of Buddhism if I remember, uh, and Tibetans Buddhists go through all the different sages right. kind of uh, one after the other if if right. I remember correctly and so it's kind of like they, they that's how they find their oneness is by mm-hmm. the progressing through all the other experiences of, right. of other uh, ways of looking at the universe to arrive at their own kind of oneness at the end. And that that's how they reach Nirvana. So, so it's fascinating to me because this episode deals with the 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 literal split of Dale Cooper. Mm-hmm. I, that's my interpretation. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's a popular interpretation. Mm-hmm. It's not the only interpretation, but I think it's the one that David Lynch has said is yeah is he, the he's kind of endorsed one, yeah, which is rare for him to actually yeah. come out and say that. Yeah. So so in keeping with that kind of Buddhist thinking, 
to have the log lady, to have Margaret at the very beginning say, only when we're everywhere can we be one, and to speak to this oneness and this non-dualism when we're dealing with an episode that speaks very specifically and very clearly to dualism or to a split Mm -hmm. in a person between like good and bad or good and evil I guess Um, and then to have I I mean okay let's not dive too deeply into this but the episode title does say beyond life and death life and death being opposites you know yin and yang I guess if you want to look at it that way I mean there's there's it seems like there's a lot going on in, in a spiritual sense. It's just very David Lynch. Yes. Right? To well, have and, and all of these layers happening. Yeah, yeah, there's so much dualism imagery when we get to the Red Room yeah. we can talk about that. Um, yeah, it just really enhances that that sensation that yeah, this is a Cooper that's being split. And, but you kind of, it, Margaret's comment seems to indicate that it's only after you've kind of gone through that process. Well, that, that, was, that was the other thing that I was going to get at was that speaking to the Tibetan Buddhist, mm-hmm. having to go through this process yeah. and having to experience these things is very, very similar to what Cooper goes through at the end. Yeah. And at the end, the state that he, that he ends up in is not the state we might want him to be in, but it's a state that maybe he was fated to be in. Yeah. And this is where he ultimately had to go. Yeah. Why? We don't know. We don't know yet. <laughs> but maybe the return will yeah. will yeah, illuminate, uh, that, illuminate for that for us. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, let's start, yeah, let's let's start, start with, the, with the actual episode. Okay. Uh, first scene, we first shot, yeah. start right up with the sheriff station. Yeah. And we have a lovely little scene between Lucy and Andy where they're talking about Lucy's freaking out still about what happened at the pageant and how... The lights went out in the hospital and we were in the elevator. Then I'd help you have that baby right there in the elevator in front of God and everybody. I just love the way that she responds. It's so nice to have... Um, to have him step up and be be that comfort to Lucy that she needs. He's done his part. He's told Agent Cooper that it's a map. No. And now he's... He's, yeah, he's looking after his... His baby mama. His baby mama, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because remember, she did choose him at the end. Of, yes. Or in episode. the last episode, so... Um, and she does admit that she loves him for the first time. Yes. I, it's so really sweet. cute. And she's like, I love you. <gasps> <laughs> this, this this moment she's like oh I said it and yeah. it's and so sweet and the way it's filmed I mean mm-hmm. they're cheek to cheek kind of looking past the camera and just it's it's again it feels like almost like a stage thing like stage direction but, but it's, it's so, so beautifully perfect. David Lynch too yeah. right like it really feels like okay we're in the hands of of the master yes. director yes the guy who created the show yeah co-created it, the show yeah it's a trope that he then subverts and, and plays with and and that's that's yeah. what he does yeah. uh, when he's at his best so yeah. this is and that's just like a kind of a throwaway scene, really. But it, again, it's tying back their two characters to the core of what made them interesting, yes. which was their love relationship and this baby. Yeah. And that's which what is the, the focus of the, the scene. Plan, but that's and that's yeah. exactly it. It's distilled down to that the essence of what makes Andy and Lucy Andy and Lucy. Yeah. This scene calls to is called to mind when you look at the the stills that were released as part of the Entertainment Weekly spread. Mm-hmm. Um, the the photo of Andy and Lucy today, yeah. um, it just that's what initially came to mind yeah. was this scene. It was just so it was such a nice beautiful contrast, and it just made me feel so good. Like oh, we're going back there, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, the very next scene, we were still in the sheriff station. We head into the conference room, and we have Agent Cooper staring at the map. He yeah. knows it's a map now, and he's studying it very very closely. 
Um, Truman walks in yes. and kind of walks over and says, oh, we've got everybody looking for Annie. And, but we Cooper's, can't find Wyndham Earl. Yeah. Uh, exactly what Cooper was afraid of has happened. He's yeah. disappeared. Yeah. And so Cooper kind of points at some of the obvious points on the map, like the giant is there and the little man There's and fire. fire. Fire walk, walk with, with me, me he, he says, says a couple of times. Yeah. He's, st- he's really trying to figure it out. And I, I, I love the way that he's so invested in this because um, Cooper has taken kind of a reactive role to a lot of these things in the last, yeah. you know, the last half of season two for sure, but even a little bit further, he's been reacting to people's things that have been happening mm-hmm. around him. And here, he's actively studying the map and actively working his brain to figure these things out. And his intuition kind of comes back to him yeah. a little bit. In no, this it, scene. it does. I think everybody kind of plays yeah. with the intuition because Sheriff Truman has a moment where he, uh, well, we'll get to it. Because yeah, yeah. So Pete now, comes yeah, running Pete in. Pete walks in and just, you know, kicks in the door kind of things. Grand Theft Auto. The log lady stole my truck. And yeah. Then, yeah, and Cooper says, well, no, the log lady didn't steal your truck. In fact, she's going to be here in, in one minute. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Oh, yeah, and uh, Pete's kind of going on about the trout that he caught, and then we're in the back. Twelve rainbow trout in the back of his <laughs> truck. Of truck. And then the make and the model of his yeah, truck. and yeah, all this um, detail. Very yeah. just great dialogue that Pete has. Um, and then Cooper points well, out Glastonbury Grove before, well, think, right before the log later I think Truman is the one who realizes because oh. he said he makes the connection. This is, this is the thing that it's almost like, Truman has a moment of, of intuition, mm-hmm. inspiration, yeah. because he's like, 12 rainbow trout, 12 trees at Glastonbury Grove, and he makes that. 12 nights at the round table. Well, kind of. That's where Cooper says, yeah, that, that it's the legendary burial place of King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Pete's like, King Arthur was buried in England. England. This is a great line again. It's just such an absurd conversation, but... But it just shows that this is the this is the line of thinking that leads. Like, this is rocks and bottles, yes, right? Yes, yes. So this is where we're going. Yeah. Um, I timed it. It's almost it exactly a minute later that the log lady walks in with a jar of oil. And yeah. here's this gleeful Cooper again that we yeah. haven't seen for yes. a while. Probably yes. since the cocaine he found at Dead Dog Farm. <laughs> yeah. Um, he kind of smells it. And he, he's like, Harry, you know. And, he, and it's the burnt engine oil. Yeah, that the scorched they, engine oil yeah. that... that that uh, Dr. Jacoby smelled, smelled that and Ronette smelled. Yeah. Well, and yeah, because they bring in Ronette. They do. She's there. <laughs> and, uh, and Hawk just walks her in. Yeah. Um, and he asks her to smell it. She gets all scared and clutches Hawk and said, yes, that's the night that Laura died. That's what I smelled. Yeah. Um, Before all of this, though, um, Cooper asks Margaret. Yes, that's right. What did your husband say? Because this is oil that her husband gave to her very shortly before he died. Yeah. And how does... Her husband, what does her husband say it was? This oil is an opening to a gateway. So that, I mean, right yeah. there is... Hugely telling. Yeah, because we've, we've been looking for keys, we've been looking for gateways, we've been looking for, you know, so the pieces are starting to fall into place. Yeah. Uh, so we go up to Glastonbury Grove. Yes. It's the next scene. Yeah. Um, and Earl arrives in Pete's truck. In Pete's truck, yeah. And he's got Annie. Yeah. And, the- and uh, they have a little back and forth where she he introduces himself to her and she asks interrogates him why are you doing this he has a a nice it's an interesting moment because i was reading about this in uh the the essential wrapped in plastic where um this was ad-libbed or or at least it was thrown out and scripted very quickly before they shot the scene there was a whole verbose 
set a dialogue that uh, that Winnemore was supposed to say to Annie. Yeah. And David Lynch was just like, why don't you just slam her head against the back of the truck and point out the rainbow trout in the back? So that's what they did. <laughs> and and it works. It's yeah. weird because what, what does it matter? Like, what are these rainbow trout? It's the trout probably that Pete and Audrey caught yeah. the night before. What does it matter, right? No, but it's a great tie back to Pete just being Pete. And Pete it's, and being Pete. And it and makes and Earl feel a little more like Twin Peaks. Like, it, it's, yeah. it, it's noticing a small mundane detail and attaching some weird significance to it yeah which is what twin peaks does all yeah the time. exactly and this is something that earl has not done because earl has been you know an outsider exactly and he's been too busy pan fluting it around yeah, in yeah, the and, cabin yeah so. so this 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 feels like this is the earl that we would have gotten if lynch had directed yes. him previously and he'd never we never did get that you no. know every it was always a guest director with earl so yeah this is a really it's, yeah, it's just an interesting little thing. Well, and it, and it kind of turns them into much more um, evil, menacing characters. Yeah, it, it reminds to... me a lot of the Dennis Hopper character in, yes. in uh, Blue Velvet. Yeah. You know, it's just deranged. He's yeah. just, he's his mind is all over the place, um, but not in a loopy way. It's in a, it's in a terrifying, like, sadistic kind of yeah. way. And, yeah. Um, one of the things that he says is, I like the fear that I'm feeling. And, uh, and that's interesting because mm-hmm. in the last episode... Major Briggs said that fear and love open the doors. Um, Windermere clearly is looking for fear as a thing that would oh, help wow. him open the doors to the Black Lodge. Yeah. I think he intended to kidnap the Queen in order to use the Cooper. Queen's fear to yeah. open the door. Um, but I've heard some interesting theories um, that possibly... The fear that he was when he talks about the fear yeah, he's feeling it's that it's his own fear yeah. because we saw in in previous episodes especially the the uh, two episodes ago when we saw the footage from Project Blue Book, yeah, um, Merle was completely paranoid and, yeah. and frightened. Um, I don't think that Windermere has gone away completely. No. I think he probably is still there somewhere. So, is the fear that opens the door actually Annie's or is it Wyndham's? Well, and it's interesting because. Uh, we get to this right away, but when Annie approaches the the sycamore trees, yeah. she kind of goes blank. Yeah, she struggles and struggles until she gets into until the circle, she get, and then she she freezes up, and she doesn't appear afraid at that point. So no. is is I don't think it's her fear that that's really does anything once she's inside that circle. Right. I feel, like, and I don't even feel like she's really that afraid. At at, at the very start, her very first line is, "Why don't you just kill me?" Yeah, she go and ahead. The, and I I love this Annie. Yes. This is an Annie that we haven't seen. This yeah. is this is an Annie that feels natural. That feels yeah. Um, like it's really really well acted. Yeah. Which makes me question all my previous comments. <laughs> And I take it all back that maybe Heather Graham isn't as bad an actress well, at that point in her career as I thought she no, was. No, I, I think, again, David Lynch can just bring yes. out something great about yeah. any, any, most actors, at least. Yeah. And, and he did a really good job here because, yeah, she doesn't appear afraid. Um, and even when, okay, so after the pulls her out of the truck and then he's walking around with a flashlight and, and you get these great shots of just the flashlight yeah. spinning across the forest. And she's praying. She doesn't sound afraid. She doesn't sound like she's praying for her life. It's Psalm 141, it yeah. appears. Uh, and it's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it, But it appears to me it's talking about protection from evil. Right. It's not about... Um, it's not about salvation, really. It's about just uh, protection of from falling into evil's yeah. 
into into your own evil right into performing evil do- deeds and stuff yeah so again it doesn't feel to me like she's fearing for her soul so much no as just ensuring that she will not uh, allow her own soul to be uh, corrupted in that way right um, which again it's it's interesting because Cooper you feel like he's he's trying to do he doesn't care what happens to his soul. Right. And he's still trying to protect herself. Yeah. Whereas Cooper goes in there. Guns blazing. Guns almost, blazing, right? yeah. And and trying and aiming to be self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and that's the opposite of what Annie does. Well, is it possible that Annie doesn't re- really understand the full totality of the evil that she's facing? I, I really don't know. I kind of think she has to understand it because she, again, everything we've said about her. Yeah. No, and I think that's true. Like, I mean, if, if, so if if Annie is some kind of pawn in a game, and, and that's the, that's the theory that I subscribe to. I know you, Aiden, think that maybe she's she is inhabited by a black lodge or, or white a lodge, lodge spirit. spirit yeah. Um, whereas I I tend to think that she's more of just a pawn that's being moved on the board. Mm-hmm. But um, but that the, this kind of throws a wrench into things because because she's taking much more of an active role in her own salvation. Mm-hmm. But but it is strange because it's not the prayer that maybe you would expect to hear from. It's certainly not the prayer that, for example, Ronette recites when yeah. she's um, in the train car. Yeah, about to be killed in fire right. with me, right? It's much more pleading and yes. much more um, sorrowful. Yeah. But they're coming at it from very different places, right? Like, I mean, Annie is a pure soul, right? She's not someone who has had the life that Ronette has had or the life that Laura has had. No, it's true. Um, so it... it it makes sense. What it reminded me of when you were reading it out was uh, like a protection spell in Wicca or yeah, yeah. something like that. Like yeah. um, something that you would you would say in order to protect yourself before you, you know, yeah, contact a spirit or, or something. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, which is interesting in and of itself. We could probably talk about that for a long time. And the more. links between paganism and, and yeah. you know, Christianity or, or monotheistic yeah. religion. Um, That's not this podcast. Yes, yes. We, we won't get into <laughs> but too yeah, much it's, here, But yeah, it is yeah. interesting that she she's reciting this prayer. And, and I will say it does um, link up with, in the scripted version, um, the, the, the Red Room or the Black Lodge or however you want to codify it, revealed itself to the people entering it in a manner that was non-threatening to them or that they understood. And Annie goes calm when she sees a mother superior figure Mm -hmm. appear before her. And that's what calms her down. Um, So that's in the scripted version. That doesn't appear on screen. Yeah. But... She, so she's struggling before she enters the circle of sycamores. As soon as she enters it, she calms down. It almost, without that that image of a nun or a mother superior or a religious figure that would that would represent calmness or would represent goodness to Annie, mm-hmm. um, it does seem like there is. It's much more of a supernatural. Uh, like a trance that she yeah. falls into. And it's a trance that Windermere knows is going to happen because he says that you won't fight me anymore. Yeah. Or, or I can't remember exactly what yeah, the quote yeah. is, but but basically he knows as soon as he pulls her into the to that circle that she's not gonna she's not gonna fight him yeah. and his well, will. Well we see anymore. that right away. Like exactly. she kinda of spins around into his lights and her face is just, you know, uh, a gasp. Well not a gasp, but 
you know. Well, she, she's, she's just, just blank. Frozen. Yeah, yeah blank. she's yeah, she's good. completely blank. She's yeah. not she, vacant stare. She's just totally malleable. And it's interesting because once he pulls her in, uh, he says, "I tell you, they have not died. Their hands clasp yours and mine." And that was very interesting. Yeah. Because we thought, "Oh, who's he talking about? Why? Mm-hmm. Why is he talking about their hands?" And I, my sense is that he's already contacting the Annie Caroline duality. Right. Um, that. You know, once she's in that circle, she's kind of already connecting to, to Caroline because Annie and Caroline in the Red Room appear to be basically one well, of the and same. Well, already he's already said that, too, yeah. that this isn't the first time he's going to... He already brought Dale right to the edge when yeah. he killed Caroline because he fell in love with my wife or yeah. whatever. So Wyndham is already making that connection. Yeah. Um, it's almost like if, if there wasn't a connection between Annie and Caroline before this... And we think there was, but if there wasn't, this is this would be the moment when those two souls would be linked because Wyndham, it it's almost like his incantation by saying her name and bringing up what happened in Pittsburgh to Annie, who has no idea what happened in Pittsburgh, that and then right before she goes into that trance, that's what links them. So it it it, it does feel like Wyndham Earl is already, yeah, you're right, in contact with whatever it is that exists in the lodges. Mm-hmm. He's made contact. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Maybe he's the one who's set this spell. Maybe this is this is part of the plan all along. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's sad because I think the previous episodes did not give that impression. It's no. like he's always amazed. Oh, there's there's the yeah. cave, and I figured something out, but I don't even know what that is. Like, it was, it was very haphazard. But right. uh, two episodes ago when he had that video of him talking about yes. the Dugpas and it seemed like yes he had a very good grasp of what was going on in the Black Lodge yeah. um, and here again yes it seems like he's brought her here he knows exactly what he's doing he's bringing her here so that Cooper will follow although he does say that Cooper won't follow her yeah I think he's I think that's him trying to make her scared because one of the uh, things in the original script was that he hinted that Cooper was dead oh uh, okay which would drive Annie's fear yeah, higher. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so I think... It's possible that maybe he... His confusion in the last few episodes has been just over where... Like the location yeah, the for the location, all of this. yeah, I guess. He knows, what, he knows what to do. He just doesn't know where to do it. Yeah. So now, I mean, he had all the pieces long before Cooper did. Now the last now, part of his plan... He can ...was having together, Annie. Yeah. yeah. So he can... Yeah, yeah I guess that's ...bring possible. it all together. Yeah. Um, but so. yeah, it's still not it's not really clear, mm. which is kind of a shame. But anyways, so they they, they enter the red room. Yes, they is do. how that ends. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the curtains appear, which is really great. The mm. curtains just appear behind the trees. They part the curtains and they go in. Yeah, and it's very creepy and yeah. very strange. Very strange. But very awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, so we go to the, the Hurley house. Yes. And this is the first. Of well, okay, I guess Andy and Lucy's scene kind of yeah. ties up their their storyline, but this is the nice, neat, uh, tie away. Um, Ed and Norma, Norman, er, Ed and Norma, Ed and Nadine, Nadine and Mike. Right. Um, we well, get it a, doesn't tie it up. It doesn't tie it up, but it's it's the it's this episode's version of tying up yeah, that story. Yeah. So we get uh, Dog Hayward there treating Mike Nadine and yeah. Mike. For head wounds, yeah. Bobby was the one who was hit on the head in the last episode. So yes. it's interesting that they made that mic here. Yes. We but can talk about why that might be, but 
Yes. I we have won't, theories. We yeah, won't we, get we'll, into it. We'll get into thing. those maybe later. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he treats, he says, oh, you guys will be okay. They've got bandages on yeah, their head. Yeah, of it's course. bleeding very, through. Yeah. And, and it's interesting the way this one's shot because there are many, many shots like this in this episode. Yes. It's kind of a low, uh, wide angle of the... You get the whole early, room. Yes, yeah, so you get the whole room. And Ed is kind of, he's skipping and snapping well, he his fingers. Walk, he walks, he walks in off past camera, camera, snapping his fingers, and then goes to Norma, Norma on the far on the right, right in, by the fireplace. Yes, while Ed and, or while uh, Nadine mm-hmm. and Mike are on the left, and the doctor's yes. in the middle. Yeah. And so basically, uh, Mike kind of proclaims his love for Nadine. Tries and, to comfort and, her. Yeah, tries to comfort her. And then she freaks out, and she's like, who are you? What are you doing in what's my house? Going on? And where are my drape runners? Yes. And... Then she says, Ed, get him out of here. And yeah. what? And then Ed's like, oh no, what's going on? And then he confronts her like, how old are you? What kind of a stupid question is that? Answer me. Oh. How old are you? 35, you moron. <laughs> and, which and, is, which and it's is just heartbreaking because Norma, basically, you see her face just yes. kind of collapse. Uh, because this means that they're right back to square one, yeah. where we were in the first episode. Exactly. Mike also is a little heartbroken, although he has a really good line. Uh, he comes in and he says, "Well, I'm sorry that I, I let think this that, get yeah, I think I let this get far. out of hand." Yeah. Um, which I interpreted totally as the the writers let that story <laughs> get well, way too out of hand. I, I I possibly it's also <laughs> interesting that the only teenager in the room is the one taking responsibility, yeah, responsibility for the for, mistakes that the adults have yes, made all along, nonstop. So way to go, Mike. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's masterful in the way that you've got these, this extreme pathos. You've got this this horrible, horrible anguish that Nadine is feeling. And you've got Norma's disappointment. It's more than disappointment. Oh, this it's is heartbreak. It's, heartbreak. She's like, oh, God, I, I'm and done the, with this. Yeah. And the confusion that Ed is feeling. And I mean, I guess Mike's Mike heartbreak too, in yeah. a sense. But... Over top of this, again, just such an absurd storyline that we've been dealing with for so long, um, it, it, yeah, it really does feel like it, like a reset mm-hmm. back to where we were at the very beginning, and with the callback to the Drape Runners too. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I can't think of another director again who handles those extremes with with such aplomb. Yeah, right? and it, and it's it's just amazingly well shot because you get. This dichotomy right away, you can tell that Norma's or Nadine is not not well, and she's not happy sitting next to Mike. Yeah. But Ed is swinging and dancing and cuddling up with Norma. And Norma yeah, because they're gonna get and married. And, and it's just it's just a great little again duality. It's yeah. it's this happy couple on one side and this non couple non couple yeah. on the left. And uh, when the two clash, yeah. what happens? And that's what happens. Ed and Norma wind up in the middle of this of the shot. Clutching and and screaming and talking about Drake. Ed and Nadine, yeah. you mean? Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting also in a in a way because of um, when this is happening. It's immediately after the the pageant, and uh, first we have yeah the 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 retcon I guess of Mike being the one hit on the head with the tree as opposed to Bobby who we saw go down in the last episode. Well, is that what they said? Yeah, he okay. says he got hit by a tree. Or was hit by the tree or something like that. Okay, but I thought that was maybe after, like, during when the lights were all out and everything. It's maybe possible. Mike got hurt or it's something. It's possible, but yeah. but I it does it seem camera, like yeah. it's a because Bobby's fine when we see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, Nadine referencing being only 35 seems like it's also a change in her story because. Um, 
we've heard that they were they've been married for 20, about 20 years. So that would make her 15 when she got married. Yeah, which is So the age the age doesn't line up quite as well as one might mm-hmm. expect. Um Norma doesn't seem at all concerned that her little sister has that been is kidnapped. Super interesting. I never thought of it because again, Annie is such a peripheral character yeah. in every in everyone else's life that but you're absolutely right. Like she was just kidnapped and why yeah. is she there smiling and cuddling yeah with, exactly with Ed, she right? was Norma was there Norma was one of the judges she she had a front row seat to her sister's abduction yeah and she doesn't seem to care at all so there's there's three big I don't want to say red flags but they're they're, they're big things that happen here that that aren't addressed no but that when you put them in the context of the larger story make you go hmm, hmm. what's going on what here what is going on there it makes me think that maybe some of the retconning that we've seen in things like the secret history of Twin Peaks might have been planted sure. all those years ago, yeah. and that this is just Mark Frost seeing them and carrying them to a, a natural or, conclusion. Or they they had plans for season three that involved Possibly. some sort of changes like this. Yeah, that they just never got, you know obviously I, had a I chance mean, to do. You could say anything happens when the lodges the doors to the yeah. lodge open up. The world's world changes. Yeah. You know? So I mean, there's all kinds of explanations. You could, yeah. So, just yeah, interesting just, things uh, to note. Put in there, yeah. I will also say that there there are a lot of head head injuries. As always, we've got Twin two Peaks, yes. <laughs> right here. Yeah. And we get the next one come up in the very next scene. Yeah. So we go to the Hayward house. Yes. And Donna is packing her bags. Yeah. Where is she going? Who knows? Who knows? But she's, she's leaving. Donna. She's Maybe leaving. she's finally going to meet up with James. That would yeah. Be... She's going to go to wherever he is. Mexico? Mexico now, I think. Or is he in San Francisco? He was heading still? to Mexico. Yeah. So, okay. So she's leaving home. She, yeah. uh, Ben Horn is there. And so is her mom. So Eileen and Ben are pleading with her not to yeah. act rashly. And... She obviously knows the truth now about her. Well, maybe it's not clear that she knows the truth. No, but I it's think she's pretty clear. If they haven't said entirely, yes. she knows that her dad is not who she thinks it is. Yeah. Um, and Ben and Ben is there, and he's again he's trying to apologize, and he's yeah. he's trying to justify it, saying you know I was trying so hard to be good, to do good, and this felt really good to mm-hmm. tell the truth. Um, and Donna's kind of unswayed by it it's, she doesn't give a shit she doesn't really care She's she like, doesn't care about Ben Horn's self yeah journey that he's no, been on no not at all um, she wants to know who her daddy is <laughs> exactly and he and, walks through the door and he walks in yes um, Doc Hayward does enter yeah. and he's pissed at that Ben oh, is there absolutely. and he's, he's he wants him to get a hell out um, and um, Ben asks for forgiveness and then who <laughs> walks in but his wife Sylvia Sylvia walks in and she's like why are you trying to ruin their lives like just let them go um and donna starts with her you're my daddy thing to uh doc hayward and it's it's you know you know it's high melodrama it is it's very soap opera-ish but but again in the hands of david lynch this this kind of a scene takes on a different tone than it has in any of the previous director's hands so we've get we've got this 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 domestic scene that's been completely shattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the only family in town that really yeah, had any we looked sense of up normal to, tea, right? And, uh, normalcy. Normalcy. Normalty. I said mor- normalty. Yeah. Normalness. Normal to tea. It. Normal tea to it was the Haywards, and now <laughs> yeah. here we are. They've been the completely... exact same dysfunction, yeah, yeah, as everyone else. And we have Sylvia Horn, who hasn't shown herself to be 
uh, a great mother, she's not going to win Mother of the or Year. Or a character in the story. Right, for, yeah, I know, exactly. Well, and it's like all the other Hayward kids are gone, yeah. too. Like, yeah. who, who are their fathers? Or yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's other questions. But, I mean, but... You know, Sylvia comes in and she's all of a sudden the voice of reason. Like, you know, what are you trying to do to this family? And and Ben still, uh, his quest to tell the truth is is the only concern for him. Mm-hmm. He he wants he, it feels good to him. It to do good feels good. So I'm going to do good. Yeah, he's still just. It's not. Him. Yeah, it's it's not about doing good for others. It's about doing good for how he feels. Yeah. It's totally the wrong motive. Yeah. Um, and that's why Doc Hayward. Locks well, up. <laughs> just, just, just okay. hold on, because yeah. because I'm trying to get at something here about okay. how David Lynch. So it's it's still you still got all of this stuff happening, um, and it's shot really well from high angles. The last yeah, scene okay. is shot from that really high angle. Um, it's just the interplay of all of these personal stories over this ridiculous parentage soap opera storyline, yeah. and you're reaching such such high such levels of pathos again you've yeah. got um is it pathos or pathos i think if you're greek it's pathos okay pathos. okay whatever not greek. <laughs> um it and it, and then it ends with with doc hayward in an uncharacteristic show of violence slugging ben horn and sending him sprawling backwards into the fireplace mantle and cracking his head so the third head injury yeah. in as many minutes basically yeah um, and he kind of falls back on the floor and is twitching yeah. almost. You, and Doc Hayward gives this yeah. like scream. And you of get rage. that that music cue that like that stunner or whatever yeah, you know yeah. that that just it's like ha, this storyline did not warrant that. But all of a sudden, in it this feels scene, like it, it feels necessary. Well, and it feels like again, this is just like all the other non-Cooper storylines uh, this episode it, it's a kind of a crazy climax for what was an odd storyline right. and they, they've David Lynch again winds it back into something that's a central focused on the central characters that um, he he created in the, in the first place so it's it's Ben and his wife who yeah. we haven't seen at all uh, Donna and her parents yeah. which again Donna and her father were in the pilot especially yeah. you know they were the core good normal normies yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like they were the ones that you could say like this is a sweet loving family and now it's been inverted and she's not even his his daughter biologically biologically um and this is and yeah and, and it's reached this kind of conclusion like mm-hmm. this is where you are a month later from yeah. after laura's died yeah. is that this family has been turned upside down and it feels totally natural whereas We've complained how unnatural all the yes. other plot this this plot line felt up to this point, yeah. um, and it's it's just it's it's totally just owing to Lynch and the way I mean he just he adds these elements right like it was awkward enough when Doc Hayward just shows up and he's yelling at Ben and then to have Sylvia Horn show up and just complicate things further yeah and have Donna give this this line of you're my daddy it's it's a very childish thing she delivers it that way and. It's just like this weird uh, vortex of all these little things coming together yeah. to create it so that it feels natural when Doc Hayward punches a guy yeah, yeah, yeah. and cl- crashes him into a fireplace. Like, and then, how and then often does that happen to with have, anything else? To have all of these storylines ending with such a climax, it's 
And like an unknown, like it's his cliffhanger still. Yeah, like, exactly. What happened to Ben? Like he just got knocked out and he's twitching. Like is yeah. he is he in a coma for? Yeah. See the is next Leo. Dead? Like what's what going happened? on? What's going to happen to Doc Hayward? That's assault. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. you know. Totally. The town doctor goes to jail <laughs> over a paternity battle. Like it, it's 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 so. <laughs> it is. It is soapy. Yeah. Over the top, but again, it feels it feels like the pilot did. That, that that's it feels in like season sense. one it feels like this is a soap opera but there's something different there's a twist to it there's a darkness to it there's there's a david lynch undertone mm-hmm. to it and the way it's shot is not a soap opera you know static headshot no. talking heads it no is, we're gonna shoot we're gonna put the camera way up in the corner <laughs> yeah Film down on the floor and, like and it's gonna slide across yeah. as as Doc Hayward levels that punch yeah, at him, right? It's, like it's, it's just it's yeah, it's it's not it's not a soap opera, but it borrows from those elements so well. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, God, this is like the fourth scene, and we're know, we're going on and on because there's just again, yeah, this episode's awesome. Uh, next scene is at the Blue Pine Lodge. It's a very quick scene of Andrew lifting up the the dome of the cake saver. And replacing the key with his own safety deposit. Yeah, he, key. he says like, "Oh, I thought I recognized this. It's safety deposit key." Puts yeah. it back, and who catches him? Pete, of course. And Pete, so, so sweet. Pete and Andrew, the Hardy Boys, are gonna go off and uh, behind Catherine's place. back yeah. to uh, figure out what's going on. Yeah. So up at Glastonbury Grove, this is all still the same night. Um, Coop and Harry find the truck. They find Pete's truck up in the woods and uh, follow a trail up into the woods. We get some more beautiful shots of just flashlights bouncing off the trees as they wander. And even with the truck scene, it's it's amazing because like the darkness is almost overwhelming. Yeah, you can see Pete's truck because it's bright bright blue, blue, uh, baby blue. I think or powder blue that he described as. And there's the one flashlight, but. It's like the darkness saturates that shot. Yeah. So it really gives the sense. And when they walk away, like their, their little flashlight gets smaller and yeah, smaller. Yeah. It's just, it's great for uh, providing a sense of, of how isolated and alone they are out, yeah. out there. Um, and they go up a little hill and then, yeah, they keep walking. And, and then uh, Cooper stops suddenly and it falls into almost the exact same kind of trance that well, Annie it was is. in. It feels like it was designed to be exactly yeah. the same, yeah. And, uh, and says, Harry, I have to go on alone. And uh, takes the flashlight and walks off. And of course, Harry predictably, after a pause, follows along. Yeah. And from a from a discreet distance behind some trees, watches Coop as he approaches these sycamores. Um, and, and Coop kind yeah. of wanders around the the trees, and he sees the puddle of well, and, oil and, in the And there's some owls that are hooting yeah, at him before right. he approaches. Yeah. And then yeah, he takes a look at the I, oil. Yeah, and, and I think he recites, he says again, an opening to a gateway. Yeah. I love that when he approaches the trees, he's like, oh, sycamore trees. And yeah. it, it's a nice little, call. I mean, in his trance-like state, mm-hmm. but still it's like the Douglas firs yeah. and the lodgepole pines, like yeah. his fascination with trees. Yeah. Um, so true. Yeah, so uh, so he, he walks around the circumference of this oil patch and uh he turns the flashlight off and reaches forward, and then the curtains appear again. And Harry watches. He kind of like, what the hell is going well, on? And it's really interesting because uh, Truman is afraid at that point. I think his, his yeah, face maybe. is because 
I mean, yes, Cooper said he wants to go alone, but but Truman, you know, just like Hawk, backing them up at One-Eyed Jacks, right. he's not going to leave his best man to, to go in alone to something dangerous. But I think Truman is terrified at this point. Um, so you think it's Truman's fear that opens the door? No, no, no. I, potentially. Um, but I think it's Cooper's fear yeah. that opens the door. But um, I, I think or it's... Or his int- love for Annie. Well, that's what he thinks it is. Right. I, I think it's the fear yeah. uh, of losing her specifically. But... Um, no, I just think it's interesting that that uh, Truman doesn't do anything, you know, and and right. I think his fear is important here because otherwise it's like, well, Truman, what are you doing? Because he just sits here for the next day, yeah. waiting for Cooper to come out, and it, it would feel a little awkward, I think, if you didn't, you didn't have that that shot of Truman's face being really kind of. Well, I'm not blanched. sure if it's con- if it's fear, or if it's confusion. I don't think it's confusion. I don't think. I well, think I think Truman has finally is finally confronted with the evil that's in the wood in a physical form sure. that he just saw happen and then disappear. It's magical. It's supernatural. And he it has no idea how to handle it. It would be frightening. Yeah. But I think the small town sheriff who hasn't dealt with a lot of murder is probably scratching his head a little bit. Like, how is this possible? So oh yeah, no. Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. No, it's I no, and that's and that's when I remembered okay. it. I remember it just like, oh, he's amazed at this. But I think there's an element of fear there, and I think it's I think it's important and worth worth noting. right into the red room we do uh cooper arrives in the red room he's no longer wearing his trench coat his jacket yeah um but he walks down the hallway and we see the babe without the arms at the end yeah uh and there's a song on someone there's music in the air there is music in the air and he walks uh down this this corridor between curtains towards the statue at the end and in through a part in the curtains into a room that is very much like the room that we saw him in in his dream mm-hmm. at the end of episode three. two. Three. Yeah, two or three. Yeah, yeah depending on how you yes. number it. Uh, uh, so yeah, the, the little man from another place arrives. Well, and there's a strobe effect already going Yes, on. the strobe effect already starts. Um, so we see the little man, and he sits in the chair. Well, he dances in. Yes. And it's kind of slow because he's, he's dancing to the music, yeah. which, is, which is playing. Um, and then we see who is singing. Yes. And it's Jimmy Scott. Yeah. The legendary little Jimmy Scott. Yeah. Uh, and he's singing the Sycamore Tree song, which is just freaking fantastic. Yeah. It's like, it's like Jimmy Scott is, this is the roadhouse, but it's the In Black the Lodge. Red, yeah, Black Lodge. the Red Room version of the roadhouse. And this yeah. is the Red Room version of Julie Cruz. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah, it's, it's so, so true. great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, the little man kind of dances over to one of the chairs, sits down. Um, and I noticed as the song's picking up and he's singing about uh, seeing you by under the sycamore the trees, under yeah. the trees, um, a spotlight comes on and, and he's playing a lot with lights and you can't really see everything that's going on. No. Um, but you do get the first shots of Cooper's face as he's watching yes. everything happen. Um, and it's his expression is really hard to read, I found. Well, yeah, it almost seems like a mixture of fear and astonishment yeah just surprise and like, also this is crazy. it's dark in here so i need to open <laughs> yeah, my eyes wide yeah. in order to take it all in yeah yeah i, I put uh, cooper looks terrified question mark <laughs> or at least surprised i yeah. don't know um but i also love that um the the strobe effect i mean anybody who's ever been in any anywhere playing laser tag or at a rave when you got a strobe on 
it makes everything feel like it's in slow motion. Yeah. Um, and that's the effect that it has when the little man turns his head to look at Cooper. And we've got, it's a point of view shot, so yeah. we, are, we are looking out through Cooper's eyes. And the little man turns his head to look at us. And you don't really notice that it's happening no, because the strobe yeah. effect kind of halts the movement. You don't really notice it for several seconds until his face is totally turned around to look at us. Yeah, and I didn't even catch it because yeah. I couldn't see the motion. I, you just catch individual yeah, things happening and exactly. then all of a sudden he's looking at you. Like, you pointed out and I'm like, oh, that's creepy. I it's, never noticed It's that. really creepy. I don't think I noticed it the first time. Because uh, but it, the only ones who look at the camera so are, far, so far yeah. have been Lodge Spirits, yeah. basically. Or, you know, or the Cooper. gifted and the damned, The gifted right? and the damned, yeah. So, uh, so again, yeah, to have the to have the little man look directly at us yeah, as super. we're looking out through Cooper's eyes. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so there's so more strobe and then Jimmy Scott, Jimmy Scott disappears. disappears. And the music disappears. Yeah. And that's it for that start yeah, of the Yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly it. It's kind of a, as John Thorne writes in his book, the prologue, yeah. the Red Room prologue. Yeah. It's just an introduction to this place. Yeah. And what an introduction, right? Yeah. And I'll see you and you'll see me And I'll see you in the branches that blow In the breeze I'll see you in the tree I'll see you in the trees under the sycamore tree. A period of time pass passes it's morning all no, of a sudden we go no because andy oh, no, comes right, that right, night right. Yes. and he he finds Cooper, truman he, so, he's yes. yelling and out in out in the in the grove yeah. we get uh andy calling out to truman yeah and truman calling back to andy so yeah. so at least they, truman they, has a has a backup there has a friend and, that, and that's it it cuts to commercial at that point probably yeah and yeah. and then we get a morning it's 10 hours later i think is what truman says he's yeah. He's been in there ten hours or something like that. Yeah. So, but between there, yeah. you get a shot of the woods and then yes. the bridge where Ronette appears. Yeah, Ronette's after, bridge. Yeah, um, which I thought was interesting because again, it's going back to the pilot. Yeah. Um, and you think of where Ronette came from. She came from basically yeah the uh, a place of evil. Yeah. Um, and so that bridge is always just you know. It's mirrored in your mind with uh, with her, the image of her, you know, skeletally walking back, right. having been traumatized so right. badly, right? Right. Um, and so you're like, yeah, this is not whatever is happening. Where we go next is not good, yeah. and where we go is to Truman waiting outside, right? Um, with Andy, for Cooper, yeah. And it's a great shot. They're just sitting on a log. Yes. Uh, Truman is kind of just <laughs> just hanging out there. He's got a rifle. He's had a rifle the whole yeah. time, but he's kind of just staring at the. Sp- the place the where place. Cooper disappeared. And Andy is sitting a distance yeah, just, away from him, but yeah. very demurely with his legs yeah. crossed or and, his legs together yeah. and his hands on his Yeah, they're, his they're, they're kind of like inverted in the lower half. Uh, well, they're, they're 
not inverted, but it just it's a it's a it's very well composed. Yes, shot. exactly. It's a lesson in lines. Like yes. Truman has three lines: his leg, the gun, his other yes. leg. Andy has one line one straight, up, straight up, and then there's the the, the line of the log. Line. It's just yeah, it's a an amazingly well done shot for definitely nothing. A <laughs> director who is a painter who yes. understands yes. line and balance and form yes. and all of this coming into play, but also understands how to um, how to have these characters deliver very few lines in a way that suggests very deep inner yes. thoughts. Yes. So Truman doesn't say much of anything. He no. says, yeah, I think... It, Three times. <laughs> most of what <laughs> yeah. he says. Yeah, because Andy basically offers him, he's like, do you want some coffee? It's been 10 hours, Truman yes. says. Yes, And then Andy says, do you want some coffee? Yeah. Yes. Do you want some... Do you want a plate special? Plate special, yeah. yeah. Do you want some dessert? Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, do you want, do you want pie? And Truman just stares. And then he, Andy asks again. And it's it's just, it's amazing what it does. I think he says does. his name. I think it's like Harry. Yeah, Harry. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, just the... Andy trying so hard to be helpful, but but respectful, understanding yeah. like I know you're you're tough, but but yeah. then he just keeps going and and you just see the focus in, on Henry's yes. eyes and and he's there's long pauses before he answers any of Andy's questions. So again, it's like it's it's a very Lynch thing to do is to draw these things out to the point where you're almost not even sure that Harry's going to respond. Yeah, but then he does, and it's a one word response and. Yeah, he's probably hungry. Yeah, he probably needs to tend to his... his but needs, this yeah. is the most important thing right now, is focusing on where his friend is gone. Exactly. And you can and it, it exposes the anguish that yes. Harry's in right now without doing anything. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It's, just, it's so simple, but... So, like, you know yeah. Harry's wondering, should I have gone in there after yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. When is he going to come back? Yeah. How What's long, going like, on in yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Is he going to be okay? Yeah. And uh, and probably the same things going on in Andy's mind, although he didn't see everything. But these are all these are all things that happened in a very, it's a very quick scene that illuminates so much. Yeah. Most importantly, I think it just moves the time frame forward. Yeah, Because exactly. it's the next day, and all the other uh, plot lines that we're about to wrap yeah. up happen this next day, which yeah. is whatever the Sunday or yeah the whatever they. Find it a little day. hard to believe as we go to the next scene that it's Sunday and it, the savings and loan is open. Well, that's a good point. But anyway, yeah, who cares? No. Nope. We get a fantastic little scene of uh, Audrey Horn arriving at the Savings and Loan. This isn't a little scene. This no, is it's a not. giant scene. You're right. But it's yeah. not a little scene. It's a big scene. It's a fun scene. <laughs> it is a fun scene. Uh, Audrey arrives at the Savings and Loan. And remember, she's pieced together or learned from the investors that um, the Packard Martell family is funneling money for the Ghostwood Project. Through, through the, the savings, savings and loan. loan. Yeah. So as a as a, a form of civil disobedience, she has decided to chain herself to the vault in order to draw the attention of the townsfolk yeah. and provoke them into having a meeting on this very subject. Yeah. So she explains all of this as she chains herself to the bank vault to Del Mibler, who is Mibler. okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing an employee. Maybe he owns the bank. I'm not sure what exactly yeah, his like role he's, is. Yeah, he's a clerk or something. I but mean, they know each other. Yeah. He knows Audrey. Well, she knows him. Yeah, they're 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 on a first name basis. Yeah, exactly. um, um, and yeah, she wants him to call the Twin Peaks Gazette and yeah. its editor, which we thought was super interesting. Yeah, she asked him to call uh, Dwayne Milford. Dwayne Milford Jr who is the editor of the Twin Peaks Gazette. So, so that is the son of the mayor, yeah, presumably. Mayor, well, yeah, the mayor is 
Dwayne Milford. Yeah. Dougie Milford owned the Gazette. Owned the Gazette. And they hated each other. They hated each other. Um, so why is this? Why is the nephew... Why, uh, yeah, why editor. is the mayor's son... Working for his nemesis. His dad's sworn enemy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It, it, it raises some... Well, Some especially questions. especially considering, again, where Mark Frost took the secret history yes. of Twin Peaks yes. and the story of Doug Milford and Dwayne Milford. Yeah. Um, it just raised a lot of uh, so, Yeah, a bunch of interesting questions again, that we had not considered. Again, something that I had never thought of, that I had never yeah. listened to. No. Or it, it didn't strike me at all. In I, I Like we said, how many times have we watched this episode? And I never noticed yeah, that never line noticed before. That. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, it's it builds just, up. It's yeah, just, it's just another it's thing to consider. Fascinating stuff. These little tidbits that are dropped. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, she asks after she's tied himself up for a glass of water, and then Mibbler's walk. I mean, this actor is amazing. He <laughs> he's he looks like he's gonna break, you know, well, at any very, moment. It's it's exactly like the room service waiter. Yeah. In the season opener. Yeah. Right. It's it, David it, Lynch just taking again these things to excruciating lengths. Yeah. So he, he walks over to the get the water, um, and you just and again this shot is the most telling of the the long, uh, wide angle shots. Like, it's maybe it's in one corner of the, the uh, bank, mm-hmm. and it's high up. Uh, and it just tracks back and forth just to watch this. It's all done in like one. It's take, one basically. continuous shot, more or less. More or less. I yeah. mean, there's a couple. There's a focus in on Audrey when she's telling yeah. him some yeah. details. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's a same camera from the same take because it's very seamlessly done. Um, but yeah, he walks over, gets the glass of water, helps her, feeds it to her because she's chained up and she can't drink her, yeah. herself. Um, and then he has no idea what to do. He kind of like fumbles well, he, around. He walks back and puts the the glass down. Yeah. And then, yeah, he has no idea because she's explained to him all of these details yeah. and he has missed he's most of it. He has no idea. He doesn't even know what he's supposed to be doing. So he's, he's just struggling. Um, and then he says, oh, you. We don't see what we he's We don't see what he's talking to. about. But we see now, a couple seconds later, Pete and uh, Andrew. Andrew walk in. And Pete's like, yeah, he's alive. And and, and Dell has this amazing moment where he's talking about the funeral He's like, the flowers yeah. and the casket. And he's like, you died, basically, and you're here alive. And Andrew's like, yes, yes, I want yeah. I want to see this. Yeah, let's go check out the safety deposit box. And then uh, he says, well, there's going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, they walk over to Audrey and, you know, uh, she says, oh, civil disobedience. That's what I'm That's doing what here. I'm doing. And Andrew's like, oh, good for you. And then yeah, he, he quotes, quotes Marcus Aurelius. And <laughs> yeah, which is great. Um, and he's like, well, I don't see a problem here. Let's Just let us through. And yeah. Andrew's like, oh, okay. It's funny because she's like, well... Im- if I'm being really civil disobedient, should yeah, I stop him? But yeah. he's being kind of nice about it, so she kind of lets him in. Yeah, it's it's totally absurd. <laughs> it's so really she, great. She does. She just lets him into the bank, uh, uh, into the vault. Yeah. They walk over to find the safety deposit well, box. Well, they amble slowly yes. over. First of all, uh, Mibbler has to, like, look. He pulls out a magnifying glass on top of his gigantic Coke bottle yeah. glasses yeah. to look at the key to find the number, walks them over to it, uh, and, yeah. They, he walks away. He leaves. Yeah, he leaves. And uh, as is customary, I don't think no, yeah, most you bank open employees bank, to yeah. open a... No. You wouldn't want them around when you open your safety deposit no, box. No, exactly. But, uh, so they open the, the safety deposit box. Well, wait. First, uh, there's a phone call ring. Oh, right. Yes. And we cut back to... So there's two shots. There's the one uh, inside the vault, and it's, again, a very static tracking shot. And then there's the one in the, the lobby... And we go back to the lobby, and okay, first of all, there's a cop there. Well, it's a security, or, guard, security I think, guard, or something. But he didn't do anything about Audrey. No, like he he didn't 
try and arrest her, stop her. There's or also a woman sleeping in a yeah, chair. It, so I mean, yeah. this isn't. I don't think the they new accounts lady is. Of, a, yeah, they don't get a lot of business there. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So he picks up this phone and he says, "It's a boy." Yeah. No context. No. We have no idea what he's talking about. This is never Beautifully resolved. Lynchian. So Lynchian. Who knows? Maybe uh, that's. Andy's maybe they found out this gender you can't tell the gender that no it's probably an employee of the bank calling to tell them that the boy was born oh it's so funny um and then yeah uh we go back inside and Pete and Andrew open the safe the safety box box. and what do they find they find a note from Andrew that says haha gotcha and love Andrew (laughs) uh, love Thomas and then a bomb it's a bomb and the bomb explodes in their faces yeah they say oh shh Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Classic cut off. And then uh, we get a few shots from outside the bank of yeah, the windows, windows exploding blown. and a great shot of what appear to be Del Mibler's glasses yeah. flying through the air and landing in a, a tree branch. A tree branch. As dollar Money. bills fall down all over the place. So savings and loan has now been completely destroyed. Uh, no Leading idea who fates. would survive. No. Uh, not until the secret history of Twin Peaks explained yes. that version of yes. events. Yes. So. Um, so yeah, can you imagine? Well, yeah, we did. We, yeah. For many years, we we're like, wow, what happened to Audrey? Yeah. Did she, what happened did to she Pete? Yeah, is Pete okay? Andrew? Like, what uh, happened to the new accounts lady? I was so invested in her story arc. <laughs> did she finish her dream? <laughs> Maybe this was it. <laughs> it's the Tommy Westfall theory of Twin Peaks, yeah, exactly. but it's all new accounts lady. It's all in her head. Oh, I love it. Uh, so the next scene we get is morning, Sunday morning at the Double R. Yeah. Um, we get the Major Briggs and his wife canoodling in a in a yeah booth. A booth. And they're they're yeah they're you know very close, very affectionate as we've never seen them before. Yeah. And we pan over and we see Bobby talking to Shelley, and. Bobby wants to get married. Shelly says, I can't because I'm still married to Leo. And then Heidi walks in and they have almost the, it's it's virtually identical. Yeah, it's almost exact. To the conversation that they had in the pilot, um, which some people have interpreted as some kind of time warp going on here. That this this conversation is, is, with the exception of one or two words, identical. Yeah. Well, they basically say, too busy jumpstarting the old man again. Yeah. They say it in unison and stuff like that. Like, it, it is cute. Um, yeah, and it's definitely could be viewed that way. I mean, Bobby's back in his leather jacket. Yep. Uh, Shelly's in her uniform. It is it is identical to the initial scene yep. uh, where we see them together. Yeah. Um, Except that they they don't have to hide the fact that they're in a yeah, relationship. Yeah, at this exactly. Point. But they do talk about Leo still. And yes, so. and we do get a cut a shot yeah. back to Leo holding the spider cage with his teeth. Yeah, it is. It's the last time yeah, we see Leo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then who walks in? Uh, Sarah Palmer, who we Sarah. have not seen since Leland's, Leland's Wake. Leland's Wake. And she's escorted by Dr. Jacoby, who is in a black cape with red yeah. stitching. It is... Yeah, very Jack the Ripper. It is very Jack the Ripper. It's also very Red Room feeling. Yeah, it is, you know, yeah. In a, in a weird kind of way. Yeah. Um, uh, and she walks in. Uh, Jacoby says... They walk towards the major. Yeah. And uh, his wife. And Jacoby says, sorry, Sarah has a message she wants to give mm-hmm. you. Um, well, first of all, he's surprised that she was right. Yeah, he's like, he's like oh, yeah, she's there. There's are. the major, just as she said, right? Yeah. So she's she's having visions again. Presumably this is, we, we've been hinted, that, that was hinted at back in season one, that she was connected somehow with the supernatural. Yeah. And, um, that's brought back to the fore here. Yeah. Very clearly, because when she sits down in the in the booth, 
And the major doesn't dismiss her or anything. He very much wants to know what she has to say. Well, and she reaches out and grabs his hand and, and like, holds him. And And she almost goes into a bit of a trance, doesn't she? Well, it's it's the Sarah Palmer that... The the non-frantic, screaming Sarah Palmer, which is a Sarah Palmer that, yes, falls into this very calm kind of flowy state. Not drugged either. Like, there's (laughs) there's really... There's so many different Sarah Palmers. But this is the one that... uh, has her wits about her and and kind of can express things clearly um but it's not her talking well who so what, what she says she says i'm in the black lodge it feels a lot like ghostbusters there is no dana there is only zool <laughs> That is the it's distortion It's the Gordy Weaver's yes, voice. Exactly. It's actually a crossover. Oh, my God. Explains everything. Uh, uh, and, yeah, then it cuts to a shot of the Red Room. Yes, and we get a, a, a kind of a walking, tracking shot. Uh, and then... I always in for you. It's, is it the same voice? The voice seems different and slightly less yes. distorted. Yes. So my, my thing is that, obviously, as the voice comes through the Red Room into the real world, it gets more and more distorted. Distorted? Distorted. distorted. Uh, <laughs> but who, who's saying this? So it sounds like the very first line, I'm in the Black Lodge with Dale Cooper, that seems to me, that sounds a lot like what Annie says to Laura in, the, the, in Firewalk With Me. Yeah. Um, Spoilers for the for the but movie. she doesn't but she doesn't say Black Lodge in the movie. No, you're she right. But, Lodge, but but either yeah. way, it sounds like that's that's. So could it be Annie? Could be. could it be Laura? I mean that that well, could be another one, right? Yeah. That that Laura is talking to her mother and Through using her mother. her mother to channel it. But when we go to the scene to the the shot in the in the lodge or in the red room, in that hallway, the I'm waiting for you part sounds a lot like Wendy Merle. So See, you thought that yeah. I thought it sounded like Mike. Uh, the little man from another place. Okay. Because it sounds like it's backwards talking then. Oh, it is. Which, it is. Yeah, I think it is. But it, and that's it wasn't, not something it that didn't sound like that. No, exactly. And it didn't sound like that in uh, when it was Sarah talking in the in the diner. To me, it didn't. It didn't sound that distorted. It sounded like talking forward, but distorted. In the red room uh, shot of the tracking shot, and I'm waiting for you or whatever it is. Uh, that sounded like backwards talk. I think they're both backwards. It's very possible and very likely. I'm just saying I didn't yeah. hear it that way. Um, but it is interesting so. to consider who this could be. Either way, I think it's very clear that somebody in that red room is trying to get a message to Major Briggs. Yes. And, and Don Davis has said that he he's very certain he was very certain that should there have been a season three he would have played a role or or major briggs would have played a role and possibly sarah palmer would have certainly if david lynch had directed yeah more. um yeah because he loves yeah grace zabriskie yeah oh yeah who doesn't that's shriek. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they would have played a role in getting dale cooper out and this is this is one example of that message coming out into the real world from the black lodge or from the red room so who is the one? I, I That's why I, I don't... I think that I'm in the Black Lodge with Dale Cooper. That's the helpful suggestion. I think that's coming from someone like Annie or Laura. And then the I'm waiting for you. That, that to sounds, me, yeah. that... I'm not sure if it's a little man because I don't think the little man would care about Major Briggs. I think Wyndham Merle would care about Major Briggs. 
Well, he he has cared about them. Right. I mean, the fact that they both worked on Project Blue Book and everything yeah. is yeah. And they're they, both they looking history. for this place yeah. or this the source of you know Windermere was looking for the lodge and Major Briggs was looking for the source of the these transmissions, which very likely are coming from the lodge or some other yeah, supernatural other realm yeah. related to it. So, um, but either way, we're not going to find out that version of the story. <laughs> no. Well, at least not with John no, Sadly, He passed away, but... Um, Perhaps Bobby maybe, has become a corporal. Or, <laughs> as some have suggested, we might have some time travel in mm-hmm. the return, and we might have someone go back in time and contact a younger version yep. of Major Briggs and use his knowledge to help Cooper in, in that way. The possibilities are uh, endless. There's so much to do. Um... Okay. So from that tracking shot, we are in the red room. But we get, I think this is the last commercial break. Oh, there is that break. It okay. is It okay. is interesting that um, the first two-thirds of this episode are, well, it's it's more than that. It's it's probably. It's almost closer to half. Half, yeah. Is spent with tying up all these loose ends and many commercial breaks. Yeah. It was front-loaded in that way. The last 18, 19 minutes of the episode were entirely uninterrupted and that when is they were what aired. We get now, which is yes. the red room scene. Yes, and it is a very long, extended scene that is very traumatic and dramatic, and and, and it's hard to parse. It, it is, is. It is very difficult. There's so, so much going on. So, so we, yeah, we're going to take it slow. And and it may not be a traditional recap. No, because how can you recap? Yeah, this? it just. I mean, there, there's well, there's very little dialogue. And what it is, it's backwards for the most part. Yeah, so, and I even mean, when you're trying to describe where this scene goes to that scene, there's like well, there's five or six different rooms that we talk potentially, about. Potentially, or just two. We can't or really just tell. two, or maybe just one. Um, uh, it's, it's it's very a, it is the dream logic yeah. climax of Twin Peaks yes. because nothing here quite nothing here makes literal sense. Um, it has that very dreamlike feel. There are elements of horror. Mm-hmm. There are elements of kind of comedy and elements of surrealism. Yeah, just it's just all over the map. So, yeah, we'll do our best to bear with us, kind of keep with it, and we'll drop in our thoughts as we go. Yeah. So we start off with Cooper sitting with uh, the little man from another place. Yeah, in a in a setup very similar to what he experienced in his in and his where we dream. left him at the the last yes, part, right? Exactly. Where except for now he's he's seated as well. Um, and uh, so the little man from another place, I also call him the arm because yes. from Firewalks Me, there's implications between him and Mike. So I also call we him Mike call sometimes. We can call him the MFAP if you want. Yeah, I don't The man so. from another place? The little man from another place. The LMFAP? LMFAP. That's LMFAP. harder. Let's just say the little man. <laughs> the little man. The little man uh, says, when you see me again, it won't be me. Yes. Then he stands up and stomps his foot. Now, my question was, is he saying that to Cooper or to the audience? Um, yeah. Because... Uh, Lynch likes to use this thing uh, in uh, Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. He has the cowboy. Right. He says, if you, if you see me again once, you did good. If you see me again twice, you did bad. Right. And we as the audience see him twice, but the character he's talking to only sees him once. Right. Um, so, so it's kind it of like... So is it a fourth like, wall break? Yes. Is that what it is? Or are yeah. we supposed to interpret it that way? Or right. is it or is it what? So... Yeah. Um, because there's also, then there's the doppelganger issue. Because we do see another version of the little man later on. Yes. But we also see the little man in between those two. Right. So is that little man actually the little man? I really not? think it's just setting up the fact that there are going to be doubles. Yeah. And that this is this is now, um, we've entered another level of 
another space. Yeah, yeah. So just be on just your be, guard. Yeah, be yeah. ready. Uh, the next thing that he says is, this is the waiting room. Yeah, I think that was the stomp of the foot, like, this is the waiting room. Oh, okay, this is where okay, we are, that makes right? sense, yeah. Can we talk about the waiting room a bit? Because this we is... Talk, yeah, sure. Because this is something people have brought up. Is this the Black Lodge? Right. Or is this... Is the Red Room the waiting room? That's, Does it matter? Is yeah, the exactly. Question. Well, is it... Or is the... Uh, is there a Black Lodge? Is there a White Lodge? Yeah. It, I mean, the tile, the floor is black and white. Uh, you know, is it both yeah. in one? Is this just... Is it just this one room that he's talking about yeah. that's the waiting room? To me, uh, this feels like a really obvious place, but... Uh, I'm, I'm taking the little man for his word. I'm saying this whole red room, I call it the waiting room. Okay. The red room is now the waiting room for me. How do you interpret it, Lindsay? I, I tend to think of it as a, a series of rooms, and this first one is the waiting room. Okay. This is a theory that um, it it fits in with, and I was, I've been, <laughs> I've, I've thought about this a lot since I've watched the episode the first time or since I watched the series the first time. Having recently purchased John Thorne's book, uh, The Essential Wrapped in Plastic, and reading his essay, fantastic essay, on the, just this Red Room scene, mm-hmm. the, the last you 20 can, minutes, yeah. um, his ideas kind of fit with what I've already thought, so okay. I was kind of chuffed with yeah, myself. Yeah, you were happy about that. Yeah. That, so what is that? What is uh, that Just that, that, that this waiting room is kind of, the, the, like the waiting room, it's a lobby, it's a, it's a, a safe place that Agent Cooper, it's it's the one place where nothing threatening really happens in this first room. Okay. As he progresses through the the next series of rooms, that does the not threat level increases, yeah. you know, sequentially with each new place he enters and every new character he meets. So my interpretation is that this first room okay. is the waiting room. Okay. But the whole series, I'm, I'm calling it the red room. I'm calling it. Okay. I'm not 100% sure that the Black Lodge, White Lodge thing actually exists. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that that's just because um, while the series has been written in a way, especially I think Mark Frost, Harley Payton, and Robert Engels, Light Spent a lot of time of, kind yeah. of, yeah, and, and, and like solidifying the mythology around the black and white lodges. I don't see Lynch I, in, no, allowing that simplicity. He, yeah. For him, it's, a, it's, it's not a real place. No. These places don't really exist. Yeah. And I think because he goes back to them as dream places in Firewalk With Me, I think it's important that maybe because it's been established that there is a physical place that Agent Cooper can go to that Bob comes from in episodes that, well, there's a physical place that Bob comes from. We've seen that in episodes previous to this where um, that David Lynch was not involved in. He can't change that, so he has to make, there has to be a connection, a physical place that exists in Mm -hmm. Twin Peaks that is accessible from Twin Peaks. I think that place is this red room okay. that comprises the waiting room and the other rooms. All the other rooms. But the black and white lodges, if they exist at all, yeah. are not physical places. They're metaphysical places. Yeah, okay. I think that's the compromise that David Lynch kind of reaches with okay. with his thing. That's acceptable. But we, uh, whatever you want to call it, waiting room, red room. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll use them interchangeably probably, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, then he, he yeah, little so, bit from yes. another place asks if he wants some coffee. Yep. Uh, Cooper kind of looks over and there it is. Yeah, and... Uh, oh, well, no, first he says some of your friends are here, yes, too. Yes, right. And, and he, then Laura appears. Laura's there. Yeah. Walks in, sits down. Yeah, we hear her walk in, yes. but we don't see her, but we know... The it. backwards clicks of yeah. the heels, yeah. Um, 
she says, hello, Agent Cooper. Winks at him. Yep. And she snaps her fingers. She does the she backward does the, snap, which yeah. is super cool. And then she says, I'll see you again in 25 years. And I don't know about you, but I got chills. Oh, when I, so much. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then she says, meanwhile, and she strikes the pose. The pose. Is, <laughs> the, the fantastic pose where one of her hands is, is horizontal and the other one is vertical. Yeah. yeah. And like she's displaying a something. So, yeah. What is that that pose? So I've, I've heard it said, for me, um, I'm fluent in ASL, mm-hmm. American Sign Language. It is very close to the, the ASL for tree. Which that's immediately what what, you what came to. I okay, yeah. what I came up to. It's not yeah. identical, but it's close. It's 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 an approximation. Yeah. So I mean that that's just one interpretation. I, I don't know if it because I've heard other people who say that it represents um, symbols that are used in some Eastern religions, but that they represent uh, a, a phrase that would be roughly equivalent to fear not or don't have any fear or don't be afraid so it's almost like she's saying meanwhile yeah don't be afraid don't be afraid hold on here's the well that's price is right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah because when we see this same pose later yeah uh it's kind of a mockery of that pose right right so i think yeah that makes sense um yeah no i i really like that and then he looks kind of away looks again she's gone yeah uh, then he looks away again, looks away, looks back at the chair, and next to the little man is the waiter. Yeah, senior drool cup. Senior drool cup. I love that you still call him that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when Albert christens you, yes, you do you not stick with that name. shun that name. It's very true. Um, and he he does this weird howl. It's like a then, whoop. He's whooping. It's like a whoop. And then yeah, he does similar to Mike. Yep. Uh, in firewalk. Firewalk with me. With me uh, the little man in there. Um, and then he says hallelujah. And Mike says hallelujah. Mike says hallelujah as well. Uh, is it kind of a greeting maybe amongst these spirits? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but anyways. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of interpreting it as this is now they've reached the end of this journey that they've been on. They finally got Agent Cooper okay. into the hallelujah. He's here. He's here. Now, interpret that how you will. If he, if they're happy he's here, if they're relieved that he's here, if, if it's... Um, uh, if they're... Happy be in a good way, or if they're happy in an evil way, yeah, you know, yeah, like, like malicious way. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like not clear. But uh, but then the room service waiter gets up and says coffee, coffee six, six times. times. Yeah, we both can. <laughs> <laughs> then deposits the coffee again slowly next to yes. Cooper on the side table, um, and then Cooper looks down, and then when he looks up again. It's the giant. Yes. So um, we've talked already in the yeah, previous pilot. episodes. Yeah. The, or sorry, season two opener, in the season yeah. two opener, that the room service waiter and the giant seem to be linked. Yeah, um, they've and appeared here, previously. Here they connected more than ever. Yes, exactly. Because what happens is the giant sits down next to Mike and he says, "One and the one same." One and the same, implying that he and the the waiter are. Well, one yeah, and the same. I, I've read other theories where they where the giant might be. Uh, linking himself to the little man. Yeah, yeah. I but I, of, I, I, I don't think so. The way it's shot, yeah. it really feels like the fact that he just replaces the waiter, and then and that we've seen him appear every time the waiter with the waiter yeah. in other times. So, yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the waiter and the giant are one and the same. Yeah. Um, I found it interesting that the giant is speaking backwards. Yes. We every other time that the giant has appeared, he's spoken forwards. Forward. Um, he's never spoken backwards. But, but so do most of the other spirits when they're not 
in, in the, the red, red room? room. Yeah, because That's interesting, the yeah. Chalfonts uh, slash Tremons in right. uh, season two, episode two, and yeah. Firewalk with Me speak forward. Yeah. Um, except for when they are in the, the red room when yeah. they, they do speak backwards. Right. So it seems like maybe this is just a backwards place. And but it's interesting because all of these spirits, if they appear outside the red room, in the real world, they speak forwards. When they're in the red room, they speak backwards. Annie speaks backwards. Annie speaks backwards. Caroline speaks backwards. Earl's does too, though. When Merle speaks backwards, Agent Cooper never, never speaks, speaks backwards. backwards. So that's just interesting to me that it, it almost lends well, kind of a hopeful Well, yeah, and it, thing. but it, I think it, it grounds us as, you know, it's a dream world. Cooper's the one who's dreaming. Yeah, he's so, the... Yeah. yeah, he's the anchor. He's yeah. the one who makes sense to us, and then all the craziness kind of happens around But I think it's... Everybody else who does speak backwards, it seems like that that is like you're much more connected to this space. Either you're dead because everybody else yeah. is is that he encounters that he knew in real life is dead, with yeah. the exception of Annie. So that doesn't bode well for Annie. Yeah. Well, um, and Earl. And Earl, Earl but yet. but Earl yet. meets a, a nasty <laughs> An fate. End, yeah. Um, and. Or you're a, you're a confirmed lodge denizen. Yeah. Right? So the fact that all of these characters are speaking backwards and Cooper doesn't feels kind of hopeful to me that, that maybe Cooper's fate isn't completely sealed. Yeah, sealed, yeah. So. No, it's true. Uh, anyway, we get... The, uh, the little man starts rubbing his hands together and we get that weird... Yeah, it's that sound effect, that high-pitched sound effect that, Aiden, you said it's the same one that's... Yeah, it, well, it sounds like. I, I I'm think not it's sure exactly it's the, same, the same. But it's it's uh, in the dream sequence in episode two or three. Yeah. Uh, when the UFO flies by, right. it's this high-pitched, squealing-ish sound. It's not a squeal. It's, not a squeal. It's, it's, like like a, it's like a... It's just a synthesized... It's like a theremin or... Yeah, yeah some wow. sort of... Yeah. Yeah, high-pitched synth- synthetic sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, and then Cooper looks to his coffee, rotates it. Again, from his point of view, you see it. He picks it up, um, and then yeah, he goes through three phases of it. Uh, the the first, first time. Yeah, the first time. You go ahead. No, you go ahead. The, the first time he, he tries to drink it, it's solid, and he tips it over to show the little man. Yeah. And the little man is it's kind of rubbing, rubbing his hands and, with and this grinning. gleeful look yeah. on his face. Cooper writes the coffee cup. He tips it again, it again and, and it, it's completely liquid and spills yeah. out over the floor and he has he reacts to the fact that he's just spilled coffee. Yeah. And and Mike, the little man, then looks away. Yes. Kind of uh I don't wanna say there's not really much emotion to it, but it's almost yeah, it's, like there's like maybe disgust a little, or disdain yeah, almost. Yeah. I put distraught kind of, a little like, oh, that's kinda of gross kind of thing. Like that's Yeah, I wouldn't even go that far. Yeah, probably it's, not. It's so much more detached than that. He just kind of looks off away. The third time that Cooper writes the coffee cup and goes to dump it, it's thick and goopy, mm-hmm. like molasses or engine oil, if you will. Yeah. Um, and at that point, the little man who's still looking off the, to the, into the distance says, wow, Bob, wow. Yeah. And then fire walk fire with me. Fire walk with me. And then there's an explosion. And there's an explosion. So it almost seems like um, this progression through, there's three states that coffee can exist in. Yeah. There's the solid state the liquid state and this in-between state that is the opening to a gateway, very similar to yeah. that. Um, is that just a reinforcement of this is the way you come into the lodge? Is it uh, reinforcing that this is the ideal state of 
that liquid. Yeah. I mean, I it's, don't know. it's hard to, it's hard to say it's, it's not something that I've been able to interpret, but I think that the moment that, um, that the goopy coffee falls out and the little man says, wow, Bob, wow, which is a palindrome, yeah. uh, same forwards and backwards. Um, and then to say fire walk with me, I think that's an invitation for, um, the next phase. I think it's like an initiation of the next phase of this journey mm-hmm. because from here, the strobe light comes on and we hear this, this the scream. scream. It sounds like Laura's scream. It, I'm sure it is. Yeah. And Cooper stands up and leaves the room. Yeah. And he goes into the same hallway that he came out of. Yeah, so he, he leaves. Does he leave? He He's entered the room from the top left as we're yeah. looking at the room. And he exits from the bottom, bottom right. right. But he but exits in, into the same hallway well, again. Well, it's a hallway yes, with that a... that looks exactly the yes, same as the one. with the statue at the end. Yes. So he walks down it again. And he enters the room... Uh, at the top right of the hallway, top left of the room that yeah. he he comes into, um, and, it, and it's the same room, but it's completely empty. Yeah. So he turns back around. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh well, this is weird." <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, he goes back and he goes back down the hallway again. Uh, goes in, and then Mike, or the little man, is there, and he's pointing at him and saying, "No, wrong way." Right. Uh, he's still sitting in his chair. Yeah. I don't think it's it's indicated, but I'm 99% sure that this is the doppelganger. This is the little man's doppelganger mm. who says wrong way. It's the same voice that he has, but it's not indicated. So I'm not mm. 100% sure, but I'm 99% sure. Okay, because he did say when you see me again, it won't be me. Right. So he's left the, next the room. Time. He's come back he's come in. Back it's not him the anymore. There, but yeah. he is warning him this is the wrong way. So is he saying this is Well, if it's the his wrong doppelganger, yes. is it really the wrong way? Or what kind of wrong way are we talking yes, about? Yes, exactly. Right? Is it the wrong way for the doppelganger to do something bad to Cooper? Is it the wrong? Is Cooper going the wrong way through this maze that yeah. he's in? It's not clear. But and again, in any case, like any dream state, you're like, oh yes, of course, you're right. This is the way. And Cooper turns around, yeah. goes back in, and he goes back to the room that previously was empty. Yeah. Uh, but this time, when he goes back into the room, he's entered from the instead of from the top left of the room. He enters from the bottom right, even though he's gone down the same hallway and entered from the top right of the hallway, he's now at the bottom right of the room. Yeah. So it's backwards and flipped. It's so, so it's, confusing. It's very confusing. Um, but this, I think, is meant to be a completely different room now. Well, yeah. No, I agree. I But, I mean, it, it, I think it, at this point... It stopped making any sort of logical sense. I no honestly, sure, I, no, I, I feel like right. this is now into total dream logic. Yeah. Nothing's supposed to. You're not supposed to analyze the individual rooms. No, or anything, of course except not. For their metaphorical value. Yes, exactly, perhaps, yeah. exactly. But I think it's just worthwhile noting that up until this point, it has made some sort of sense. And here we've we've had this wow, Bob, wow. Um, it's a it's like a break. It's like this is the next stage. So yeah. now it no longer makes it no longer makes literal sense. In as much as it made literal sense before this. Because now we get... So the room is set up with the chairs. Yep. And, and the little man kind of comes out and says, another, another friend. friend. And then he kind of... He's laughing and kind of maniacally. Yeah. Um, and, and then he, he, slinks, he, he back slinks back behind, behind the two chairs. of the chairs. And then Maddie walks We out. see Maddie's silhouette yeah. uh, on the curtains. Yeah. And she walks out into the middle of the room, strikes a bit of a pose... And then says, I'm Maddie. Watch out for my cousin. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then she, she, disappears. she disappears. She just disappears completely. She's gone. 
Um, and Cooper returns again. So he he leaves the way he came. So again, at the bottom right of the room, if that's yeah. how you kind of interpret it. Um, and he goes back into the hallway. Yeah. And it was interesting because this is the first time when the camera angle is... It's, it's a on, little tilted. It's tilted. So yeah. it feels like... Um, this is going to kind of date me, but uh, Scrooged. When uh, yeah. Bill Murray's in the Ghost of Future... Pre- Past. Future. future. Well, yeah, the, the Ghost yes. of the Future uh, is... Um, and he walks out of the elevator in the and, room. And, yeah, and, and he's literally like falling. Like yeah. That's what it feels like Cooper should be doing here. Yeah. And it's interesting that he's not because it's like... Are we as the viewer just off kilter now? Like, I th- yeah. I feel like that's what it's supposed to be. Is like, okay, now you, you think you have any idea? Here, you're literally off center. Yeah. You're you're totally off. Yeah, and the, and the camera isn't even centered on the hallway anymore. No, it's it's yeah. There's off more center curtain. and angled yeah. and angled, yeah. right? Yeah. It, yeah, just really interesting. It's it's disorienting. I think is what they were going for. Yeah. So he goes back to the 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 other room. And it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it maybe it it's a fourth room, room yeah. or if whatever we're whatever at Whatever we're on now. Um, the room is empty. Uh, but he, he walks in and he kind of looks around and sees the little man. Yeah, to his left. Yes. And the little man, uh, we get a point of view shot again. Cooper's point of view looking down at the little man. And the little man says, doppelganger. And his eyes. His eyes are white. So they have the white clouded over. It's like yes. it's almost like a cataract it's, or something or like that. Or dead. Like, that's yeah, yeah. how your eyes go when you die, yeah, right? Exactly. So, um, um, yeah, he says doppelganger. And again, he's kind of twitching. And he says it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a slightly different voice. I really yeah. want to know how they made him have two different voices when he's talking backwards. Oh, but, he's distorted. I don't uh, know. Yeah, it's, I don't it's, know. It's creepy, but it's definitely a different... It's angrier. It's yes. like... It's throatier. It's... Yeah. Um, There's something to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, my note was here. This is starting to get really freaky. Yeah, Because <laughs> like, this is. is like, okay, so far it's been fairly sedate, but what the hell is this guy doing mm-hmm. here? Um, and then Cooper looks to his right. Um, and we see Laura sitting. We don't see the chair she's sitting in, but we get a, it's clear that she's sitting. Yeah. And, and she strikes that same pose, well, she's that, in that meanwhile same pose, pose. Yep. in the initial thing. But her face is angry. Oh, yeah. And she has the clouded over eyes. Yes. And she's kind of uh, snarling. She yeah. says, meanwhile, in a very... Like, angry tone. Yeah, like, totally. And then she starts shrieking. Screaming. And it's, it's angry, and it's fearful and she climbs over these chairs and they're different chairs than we've ever seen so previously they've been these these blocky club chairs yeah and now we get this kind of i want to call it a courting chair but i don't know yeah a conversation chair or something but they're the the chairs where like they're 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 connected but they're but they share an armrest in the middle and they're they're both one is facing one way the other is facing the other so you when you're sitting in them you you're facing each other the person sitting in the other chair yeah um, um, and which is it, just interesting that well, it's 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 literally like two halves. Yeah, uh, it's a W or U sh- two U shaped, literally double U uh, shaped chairs, but one of yeah. them is upside down. It's very yin and yang. Yeah, it's very it's much literally so. opposites, and that's where we first see Doppel mm-hmm. Laura. Yeah. Um, so this room is is almost it feels like it's the opposite room of yes the uh, the initial room the the waiting, the waiting room. room yeah the the, the first room. Um, because here we're seeing all the bad versions of these characters. Yeah. And yeah, so she screams. Yeah, and kind of climbs over the chair and, and hobbles the over. Comes up. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, she like yeah, it's like a. Oh, it's a, she's super it's creepy. So terrifying because she yeah. like, you know, it's 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 like nightmare material, right? Like it she is. she does. She kind of like hobbles over to a middle distance, 
still shrieking at Cooper. And and then, and then as, we get this this moment where Wyndham Earl's face is kind of very quickly imposed. In, into that uh, strobe effect. Yeah. She just, it's, he's there for maybe a couple, three or four frames maybe. It feels yeah, like very, very, very short. Brief. Um, it's something that I really hadn't noticed until um, watching the Blu-rays. Yes. Yeah, uh, when you could really when it that. Maybe I knew that something had happened, but I didn't know it was Wyndham Earl's face. Yeah. Watching it on, on the old... Uh, well, maybe we just have a better TV now. Yeah, <laughs> we that's can true. Yeah, it's, it's a little easier to all see. All of that. But, um, but Cooper freaks out and runs away. He turns yeah. tail and he, runs. He's, he is scared at this point. Yeah. Um, Absolutely terrified. Yeah. What do you make of the fact that Wyndham Earl's face is imposed on Laura's? Yeah, I mean, that was interesting. I think I think it's a, a symbol of what Cooper actually fears. I think he. I think more than anything, he does fear Earl. Yeah. Um, what he's for capable what, of. Yeah, or? what he's done and what he's capable of and... Um, yeah, I mean, the whole season's been building up to him versus Earl. Well, and, and he's, always, he's never beaten him, right? Yeah, like that's he's always his said fear. that this is, you know, we you don't know what he's capable of. Yeah. And he, he's just so smart and so driven and so terrifying, right? Yeah, it, it's true. And so I think, like, this is the start of his, his path down fear. When he sees Earl again, mm-hmm. his face turns to... to fear right um so i think that's i think that's very important here i think also it's interesting because the very next room that cooper goes to um because he goes back into the hallway and and when when he he enters enters the room he's been stabbed again yeah he has blood on his hands and he's clearly in pain yeah and he turns around yeah there's blood on the floor his, his footsteps and everything so in in my mind it's almost like this is uh he encountered Doppel Laura, who wore Wyndham's face for yeah, a few seconds, frames. Yeah. It's almost like there was a psychic wound that was that was yes. punched into Cooper yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And the fact that he reacted with fear amplified it. Yeah. If he had reacted differently, maybe he wouldn't have re-experienced... Because I'm presuming this is his Pittsburgh stab wound. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's the... That's the implication, yeah. So um, if he hadn't been so fearful maybe if he had faced that with courage yeah. to borrow from hawk's uh yeah. prediction or, yeah. or hawk's um yeah the uh, mythology story. yeah yeah maybe he wouldn't have been he wouldn't be reliving that that pain yeah but the fact that he was so afraid means that that psychic wound hit its mark yeah exactly um because you said something interesting too about this scene what did you say what did i say that it was Laura who wounded him. Yeah, well, doppel Laura. Right. Right? And I, I feel like perhaps that's... Um, he still feels guilty that he, I don't know, couldn't protect Maddie or, or something like that. There's, mm-hmm. I think there's potentially a way to read that too. But, I, I mean, the fact that it's doppel Laura kind of confuses things because I don't think it's guilt anymore. I think this is like literally a psychic wound that she's able to inflict on him. Um, I really love how you describe that. I think that's, that's it exactly... In any case, he, he kind of, he realizes that he's been wounded. He looks back and he follows his yeah, trail Yeah, retraces blood. his steps. Um, and when he goes in... He goes out into the hallway and there's no statue anymore. Yes, in the hallway. The this is the one. first time that the statue has disappeared. So this has been um, interpreted by John Thorne in his essay that um, it's, it's the start of Cooper's split. That, mm. that the body of the statue disappearing represents Cooper's body disappearing. Mm. His his bodily form, maybe, having less pull, and now his 
psychic body is able to split. Split. So mm, um, that that is an interesting yeah. theory to me. I'm I'm going with it yeah, because no. I think that's as far as symbolism goes. Having a body on screen is yeah. important. So, and yeah. then the body disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and where he goes next is gonna help that process yes, along for sure. Exactly. So he, he goes back into the thing and on the floor. Is, well, he he goes to. It's not the same room that he was it's, stabbed it's in. A room. Okay, but he walks down the hallway again <laughs> yes. into into yeah, different into a room. new room. Yes, um, and there on the floor is. I thought it was Caroline. It is Caroline. It is Caroline at the start, and Cooper. It's both of them. They've yes. both been stabbed. Uh, Caroline around the throat, right? Uh, no, she was stabbed in the stomach. In the stomach in the air, but she's bleeding from her mouth. She's bleeding from her mouth. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Cooper's there as well with his stab wound. Yes. So and Cooper then, sees himself. Yeah. And he sees Caroline. Yeah. Uh, and then he says Caroline. He, he says her name, uh, and then when he looks again, it's now Annie. Yes. And but wearing Caroline's uh, colorful flower Floral dress, dress yep. uh, and she kind of like zombie like kind of screeches up almost screeches up screeches up. up. That's how I describe it. That's interesting. That's a visual screech. That's how I. That's how I see that. <laughs> I love that because it is. It almost. It feels like she's like she's struggling to sit up and she's dazed and kind of like a deer in the headlights almost. But um, and but yeah, yeah, she screeches up. Yeah, she does. Uh, God, that's such a great phrase. <laughs> oh, my God. This is uh, why you're a good writer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, then a strobe comes on, mm-hmm. and he's repeating, and he realizes, no, it's Annie. And he says, oh, Annie, Annie, Annie. And he sorry. says her name a couple of times in different ways, though, different doesn't ways. he? Different yeah. ways, and, and this is interesting because there's this is the first time there's a fade. Mm-hmm. Everything so far has been nonstop. This is one continuous thing that's happened. Yes. But here, there's a fade. And to me, it, it meant that he's sitting there saying Annie for a long period of time. As because the screen kind of fades. The screen kind of fades. And then we get a tracking shot of going a, down the hallway. Yes. Um, and I feel like he's been there reliving this moment of Caroline being Annie, being right. dead next to him. Yeah. He's, he's amalgamated the two women they are one and the same now to him, mm-hmm. um, and the lodge has broken him. I think this yeah. is actually the point where yeah. the lodge breaks him, yeah, because he's been in there for the ten hours. To me, right. this is like when the ten hours happens as well. Well, in as much as time in this place yeah, it makes matters, any sense but, but whatsoever. A, yeah, okay. But I a long it. period of time is there, or at least that amount of time spent uh, inflicting trauma on his psyche right. is, is there. And then, Amalgamating yeah. these two women into one. Yeah. The next time he he comes out and he doesn't seem to be as wounded. Yeah, no, he's, he's not. He's, he doesn't have of... the wound anymore. Um, this is the point where, um, like, I think you're right, and I think John Thorne says the same thing in his essay that this is the point where the two the split happens. Yeah. So the Cooper that we see meeting Annie in the in the next scene where she's wearing the black dress and she yeah. kind of just appears, um, the, is that good cooper is that the good part of cooper okay yeah because he he approaches her and he doesn't really seem he 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 doesn't experience any fear or anything beyond this point yeah. right not in the same way that he experienced fear before well he, he doesn't the seems, end, but we'll yes. get there yeah but not here yeah. because i think this is this is interesting he meets annie and she's speaking backwards she says i saw the face of the man and who killed me, me. It was my husband. And Cooper's confused. Well, he said, yes, like the face of the man who kills you and said, it's my husband. And then he says, Annie. Right. And she says, who's Who's Annie? Annie? 
And this is where she turns back into Caroline. But and with the dead eyes. Yes. And we get, um, Caroline says, it's me, it's me. Mm-hmm. Cooper says, Caroline. And then it's Annie again saying, you must be mistaken, I'm, I'm alive. alive. So, again, Cooper is conflating the two women and getting them confused. Or the Lodge is deliberately messing with him and well, confusing him. Yeah, I think I think it's a bit of both. I yeah. think... Um, I think it's I think it's just a kind of an amalgam of Cooper's fears at this mm-hmm. point. Um, this is his greatest fear f- was that Annie would fall fall into the same fate as Caroline. So here he's he's conflated them into this is yeah this is just a, a person a personification of his fear right. is Annie Caroline. <laughs> that yeah, was terrible, okay. but no, yeah. I like it. <laughs> uh, you know this Carolani. Carolani is better yeah. uh, as the woman that he cannot protect. Yeah. And that is his greatest flaw, is that he, he feels the need to protect them, and he's unable to, in either case, really, in this in this situation. Um, and this just being shoved down his throat, saying... Yeah. This is your greatest matter. flaw. Yeah, this, this is, is this your is tragic the, flaw. This is the woman you want to do everything for. You've already you've either already failed or you're going to fail. By conflating them, He's it makes him feel as though he has no... Well, he'll he never succeed, nothing, ever. Yeah. This exactly, because he's is already his failed. Sisyphean task mm-hmm. is to save Carolani yeah. or save women in general, maybe. Um, because as we read in his autobiography, he's ha- faced a lot of death, right? Yeah. But let's not get carried away there. Yeah. Um, this is this is him. This is you know yeah. his eternal struggle. Yeah. Is with this fact is is that he will he will never be able to save the. The woman he loves. The woman he loves. Uh, Love is not enough. Exactly. If you want to go that way. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope not. Um, yes. Annie, Caroline, Caroline. Let's call her that. Caroline turns into Laura. Yeah. With and the with the, the, eyes. the the white eyed Laura, yeah. doppel Laura. Yeah. And she screams at him. But this point, it's not. Cooper doesn't react with fear as no, much as he's just startled. Startled. Yeah. He's like, what? Yeah. He doesn't turn and run. He kind of. He kind of like he's shocked, and then Doppel Laura turns into Wyndham Earl. Yeah, and and he says Dale Cooper. Yeah, he says in a very his he's speaking backwards. Speaking backwards, yeah. Um, and then and then Annie, Annie appears between the two of them. Yeah, she fades into existence, and her yeah. arms are crossed. Which yeah. I I didn't know if there was any symbolism there, but it was it was interesting because she's back in her black dress. Yeah. So she's she is it is Annie. It is not Carol Carol Annie. No, this is Annie this who is, came into the lodge. Exactly. Um, and then she fades out again. And it, yeah. the the impression I got is that Earl can control when she appears. Like he is in control yeah. of her at this point. Yes. So he's showing her off, saying, "Yes, she's still there. You can save her still." Yeah. If and then he says. If you give me your soul, I let Annie live. I will. And Cooper's like, I, I will. I will, yeah. So then Wyndham moves to stab, stab him. him. Well, he does. He, stabs he does. He him. does stab him. Then fire erupts. Yeah. And uh, the scene reverses. And the scene reverses. And he unstabs him, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... And then there's a strobe effect yeah. that comes on and Bob appears. Yes. And and, and all of a sudden well, and but Earl is screaming. Yes. And, and Bob, Bob is, is in control. Yes, and Bob is yelling, "Be quiet, be quiet." Yeah. And then he says it I think the third time and Earl just shuts up. Well, like, his, his it's like the the movie The 5000 Fingers of Dr. Terwilliger. I, I never you've saw never it. seen I've that never movie. Seen it. 
the maybe the only other person in the world that I know who knows this movie is my brother Daniel. Maybe Nathan <laughs> does too. Um, it, it's one of those Dr. Seuss movies from the 60s. Uh, and there's a, um, a contraption that the, one of the kids makes at the end that um, can capture sound and lock it away. Oh, so yeah, it's on, yeah, But yeah. people, like, the kids are still playing the piano at the end of the film, but there's no there's sound no coming sound out. Coming so out. Dr. Terwilliger, Dr. T, is is shown to be a fraud because his piano doesn't, doesn't work. work. Whatever. Uh, it's it's <laughs> a silly funny. little movie. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's what this reminded me of. It's like, because um, Wyndham Earl is still, his face is still contorted. He's still screaming, but you can't hear the sound. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Bob is the one who says, it, it's almost like Bob has captured Wyndham. He's oh, captured yeah. his sound. He's captured everything about him. He can't move. He's in total control of, of Earl. So first, Bob says, you go. Yeah, he tells I'm, Cooper to go. But is he talking to Cooper or is it Earl? I think he's talking to Cooper, too. I think he's talking to Cooper. I think he is. Um, but then he he also says, He's wrong. He can't ask for your soul. I will. Take this. This is when the uh, fire erupts from behind his head, well, or from out of window. Out of yeah, that's I think what it's supposed to be. Um, and the strobe effect comes back on, and you see. Uh, Windermere well, just kind of like he's yeah, like he a collab- puppet or a, a marionette yeah. that just says like the strings are down, like he's been completely neutered. Yeah, he's right? just he's just kneeling there. He's been broken. Yeah. Um, and yeah, presumably Bob is taking the soul. It's. I love this because up until this point, Wyndham Earl has been the one that knows everything about the lodges. He's yeah. been built up as well, this yeah. expert on on what we're Dark where we're going. Yeah, everything. Things. He thinks he knows how to control this source of evil. Yeah. In order to become this great magician, this great wizard, this great Doug Powerful, himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he has no fucking idea what he's up against. Well, exactly. I mean, he he knows more than Cooper. It seems because he's able to do things with Annie. Yeah. And other things, but and he's, he, he he's got in there and everything. But Bob is Bob? the one who yes. Bob is the evil in the Black Lodge, and he's we're not in this place. He's not going to give any power over to this upstart. No, you know, like no way. Sorry. So I just, I love the the metaphor almost of this is that you know Winnemerle, who was a character that David Lynch I I've heard did not care for. Yeah. He wasn't a fan of not well, not the portrayal of him or, or you know Kenneth Welsh as an actor. He just wasn't a fan of of this plot, especially because as we'll get into, um, I think the the battle for David Lynch was always more interesting when it was Cooper versus himself as opposed to Cooper versus something yeah. out there. Yeah, right. So um, in this way, it it neuters Wyndham Earl. Well, exactly. And we've talked about this in past episodes. I yeah. think where basically like this scene just like, oh no, you thought Earl was an actual villain? No, 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 no. Nah. Like, watch me he's take like, He's like the, a minor villain. Yeah, exactly. Compared to... In the to, canon of villains yes, that exist yes. in Twin Peaks. You just look at Bob because yeah. he, he's coming for you. Um, and yeah, so it is, it's an amazing kind of a bow face because you've built up this villain and then it's not really a villain at all. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's It's a minor character along the way. Um, and again, it's it's what Lynch did the rest of this episode. All the other storylines are secondary to that central yeah. thing of the evil that is out there yeah. being Bob. Yeah. Uh, and this character who has to face it. Yeah. Um, 
and it's uh, it's an amazing distillation because yeah it removes the middleman of earl and and all the really all the other um Karaani stuff yeah. even is kind of secondary to bob now yeah. and what he represents and what yeah. he's capable of pulling out of cooper yeah because we've been we and we've been working up to this this ultimate confrontation between cooper and windham earl and all of a sudden that is that is secondary so it's it's very much a a, a rewrite of of the of whole the second conflict. season yeah, really season two, yeah. in one scene in yeah. one very brief scene yeah and a few lines of dialogue yeah uh, so so cooper does take when or does take bob at his word and says because bob yeah. told him to go so cooper just walks away he's not afraid um i don't think he's afraid i think he's, he's calm terrified and he leaves no see i think i think um the fact that what happens next we doppelcooper arrives right i think this i think i think my earlier comment that this is that he was broken when during the fade over by the annie and caroline situation i think that's partially true but i think his his acceptance of bob stabbing him was the moment when he broke or windham yeah sorry uh windham stabbing cooper uh showed just how afraid cooper was and that stab and the fact that bob undid the stabbing and everything sure but the damage was done and that's what allowed Doppelcooper to emerge. Because after he takes Wyndham Earl's soul, Bob basically uh, brings Doppelcooper out of out of the background and into existence. See, I'm gonna challenge you on that. Okay. Because I think I think what you originally said is right. That 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 moment where he realizes Carol Annie is dead. And he can't do anything. And he can't do anything about it, and that fade happens. That I think that is the moment where the split happens, and I think the Cooper that we've been meeting since then, up until this point, is the good Cooper. Yeah, and I think that he's already he's already split. His path is his fate is sealed because he turns and leaves the room, and yes, Doppel Cooper does appear. and scream and laugh. Laughs with Bob. It's so so great, and you just see the glee in Kyle McLaughlin's eyes that he's like, yeah, he wants to play evil so bad. (laughs) I hope he gets his wish, and I hope that that in the return we get some evil Cooper. That would be great because I want to see it too. Oh yeah, totally. Um. So he's making his way back to the exit. Yeah. And I've, I've, he's not being chased by his doppelganger. Well, he is, but I don't think he knows. I think they're, I think think they're both heading for this. I think they, they both know that only one of them can, can leave. Can leave. So it's as, you know, John Thorne says it in his book, it's not a chase, it's a race, right? Oh, okay. Um, so... So we get Cooper walking. He's walking very calmly back out through these rooms down the hallway. And then in the in the last hallway, or one of the last hallways, um, Cooper is intercepted by Doppel Leland. And this scene always threw a wrench into all of my theories because... Every time. Because he says... Hi, please, Nestle, here, buddy. But he's smiling, and is he lying? Is well, he... I think this is this is maybe I, I I used to think it was, and it bothered me a lot because it meant that I I always interpreted it as Leland killed Laura, and yeah. Leland did these things to yeah. Laura. Yeah, and Doppel Leland was a good guy who did not well, kill anybody. Well, not necessarily that he's a good guy, but just that it wasn't 
it wasn't Leland possessed by anything that did this. It was Leland actually doing these things. Mm. He was possessed, but Leland was the, the source of all of this, which is kind of borne out in Firewalk With Me. Yeah. But it, it goes so. to the heart of the issue that we've had, that we did have when um, Cooper kind of absolves Leland and says, no, he didn't do these things. The, the Leland that you knew, Sarah, did not do these things. Yeah. He was, you know, but now that other part of Leland is coming out and saying, I didn't do it either. Yeah. So you were wrong, Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like this is a, a reversal. It's a mea culpa almost on the part of, of Lynch for, well, well and, yeah, and, and I the mean. show absolving Leland. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. To say, actually, this is, it, it was disingenuous of us to say that that Leland was possessed when yeah, he killed totally him and, and, yeah. and uh, raped and murdered his own daughter. Yeah. He is to blame for this. This is not the, it, it, yeah, it's not, it's not some spiritual possession. It's not um, a psychological thing. He actually is culpable. Yeah. No, yeah, it's totally so. understandable. I mean, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, it threw, to me, it was the other way around. It was like, maybe doppelgangers aren't all uh, evil? evil halves of people. And that um, this was the Leland that had been repressed. Okay. So whoever, whatever is the dominant uh, kind of spirit mm-hmm. is um, the one that we see as normal, non-doppel. Right. So whereas the good Leland got taken over at such a young age that he never developed. And so his Leland's doppel half was actually a good person who didn't kill anybody. That's how I interpret it, but, it, but I that, yours but makes even, much more sense. But even then, it, it kind of... it Because when, when Cooper's doppelganger comes into the hallway, and Cooper and his doppelganger meet eyes, and Cooper kind of realizes, oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is... He's coming. Yeah. yeah. And he almost has a moment of realization, like, this is now a race for everything. Yeah. Um, so Doppel Cooper and Doppel Leland have a have a meet cute in the hallway and they kind of laugh. Yeah. I don't think that because Doppel Cooper I don't think is a good guy. No. So why would a good part of Leland be yeah, be in cahoots with, that, with yeah. a with the evil part of no, Cooper? No, you're right. Your makes more sense, yeah. But yeah. Maybe um, there's a way to reconcile it. Yeah. But I love this next part. Well, so Cooper and Leland laugh. Doppel Cooper and Leland laugh, and then <laughs> Doppel Cooper, I call him DC, <laughs> walks up to the curtains. He's gonna chase Cooper, and then he turns to the camera and looks. Oh, I fucking love it! It's so terrible, and he's got this gleeful smile. It's so great! It's just, it's so disturbing yeah. and awesome. And again, it's only the the spirits. It's only the the lodge dwellers. It's only the gifted or the damned that that face the camera. And here we have it again. Have it's it again. clearly Doppel Cooper. It's it's the damned half of of Agent Cooper staring at us right in the face. Yeah. Uh, so we follow Cooper again. Uh, he's going through more strobe, more rooms, uh, and and and, and Doppel Cooper is is yeah him. catching up. And then we finally get the final uh, well, room it's, that they're in. Exactly, and it looks like it's the waiting room, that initial yes. room. It's the same layout, and that's when Doppel Cooper catches him. And coming up under the camera is Bob, and he's just, he's laughing and grinning yeah. and just so happy. <laughs> it's really kind of crazy. Um, and then we cut outside. Yeah. And it's nighttime again. It's nighttime again. So, so it's been a whole day. Yeah. Presumably again. it's Sunday night now. So he's been in there maybe 24 hours or sure. longer or something yeah. like that. Uh, and uh, Truman's there. The uh, curtains appear. 
Yes, the curtains appear. And Harry kind of stands up and is like, so, oh, okay. Yeah. And then he yells, Cooper. And then he rushes over and you see that Cooper's on the ground. And he's kind of awake. His eyes are open. Yeah. And he's blinking. Yeah. But he's not all Moving there. Yeah. Anything, yeah. And then Annie is is there and she's been she's bloody, her face is cracked open. It's very similar to yeah. Doctor or to Ben's yeah. head wound actually. So it's it's another head wound. It's it's weird because when we see her in the lodge, she's not injured at all. She doesn't no. get injured, she's not stabbed, she's not beaten. Um, she did have her face hit against the the the, the back of the truck but the it was truck. pretty light like it wasn't like it wasn't yeah, a big violent thing and she just kind of so. like oh what's the rainbow truck <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right but I, I did hear and I, I I think it was in the vlog ladies Annie Theory video on YouTube which we'll link in the on yeah, the main page yeah. um, that maybe this is an, an, another sign of Annie's physical body being vacated by yeah. an inhabiting spirit that maybe that would cause a head wound yeah. Because as we saw in Fire Walk with me, the the thorn that comes out of the the mask that the the the, the little boy kids, wears, yeah, the way. Um, that maybe represents the the focal point or the way of entry for the spirits. As in a dream world, they come in through the head. Um, that maybe this is what happens when they leave your body is the head wound. This is how Leland, when he banged his head, he yeah. had the gash on his head yeah, and then and that's how Bob, Bob left escaped. him. Yeah. So maybe this is, this is kind of the same along the same lines. Yeah. Um, but either way, she's unconscious, out cold, bleeding profusely. Um, but they're both out of the lodge yeah. and, um, they have successfully escaped. It yes. appears. Um, and so then, we get a, a cut to morning time, and we get the falls, the, yes. the white tail falls yes. outside the Great Northern, and, and it's a very interesting shot, isn't it? Yes, because there are two of them. Yeah, and they're they're mirrored. <laughs> it looks yeah. like well, well I'm they're not. not I'm quite, not sure. I'm not sure if it's mirrored, but I think I think there's probably two parts of the waterfall yes. that were just. It, I don't recall ever seeing this shot. No, it's always been one consistent waterfall. Or the when they show it. far away shot yes, where of, you just see the falls the Great and then the Great Northern yeah, yeah. and the whole thing. But this is a very close shot. It's centered on the falls. There's a gap between the two gushing waterfalls. Yeah. Um, I think that has to be symbolic of now. There's there's two there's falls. Two, there's two Coopers. There's two Coopers. So and we go to we go to Cooper's room, yeah. and I'm gonna say it's Monday morning. Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, um, it feels like it's been a while. And Doc Hayward is there. Yep. And uh, Sherman. Presumably yeah. a day after he assaulted Ben Horn. Yeah, and the, with he's not the in sheriff, jail. So, he's, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, he's a pillar of the community, let's face it. And everyone wanted to punch <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, nobody, nobody face, gives so. a shit about Ben. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and Cooper wakes up and he says, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't sleeping. So, what was he doing? We don't know. Uh, then he asks after Annie. And how's Truman, Annie? Well, he says, How's Annie? Does he? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Truman says, She's fine. She's at the hospital. Um, and he says, I need to brush my teeth. And I just love the way. Kyle McLaughlin delivers this Cooper's lines. Yeah. It's very forceful. It's very like, I need to brush my teeth. And it's very yeah. sedate. Well, He's not happy. I wouldn't say it's sedate. Not it's, sedate, it's, yeah. It's um, monotone. Monotone. It's very yes. just... Yes, monotone is probably as good a description as yeah. it's going to be. Um, and they're like, okay, go ahead. And Seems Cooper's, like a good idea. Yeah, go, go for it if that's what you need to do. He repeats the line as he gets to the end of the bed and kind of rounds the corner yeah. towards the bathroom. Yeah. And they're like, okay, yeah. go ahead. And he's wearing his blue PJs. And again, we've noted blue is not often worn. Cooper's one of the few characters who wears it. He's always worn his blue pajamas. Yeah, he has his blue pajamas. And, I mean, that's his gateway into 
the spirit world is His through, dream sleep, world, is through right? dreams so. and sleep. Yeah. So, uh, again, I don't think that's any coincidence with, uh, uh, what's her name? Annie's blue dress earlier. Anyways, that's a bit of an aside. Right. So he goes to the bathroom and closes the door and grabs his um, toothbrush and the toothpaste. And he starts off putting the toothpaste on the toothbrush. Well, he seems like he's going to. He's, right. He has it hovering over top. Yeah. And then he moves his toothbrush aside. And just it, squeezes it all out. I mean, who hasn't wanted to do that, yeah, right? Just get a good grip on it. And I love the, the metaphorical value of this is great, too, because, you know... Once you squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't put, can't it, back put it back in. in. So we're going to go all out for this. You can't put this back in the tube no. because when he looks up into the mirror. Well, you don't see it. He looks up and he looks like angry, gleeful. Yeah. He looks he looks like the maniacal Cooper who was talking about who after he pulled the thing out of Laura's fingernail, you know, he had that he had that look on his mm-hmm. face, but magnified to like 11. Yeah. <laughs> and... Then he rams his head into the yes he does mirror. and there's a scream. Yeah, it sounds like maybe Annie or Laura's scream. It's really I wouldn't kind of say it's Annie's scream. It's well when she got yanked into the the Glastonbury maybe. Grove, there was like a shriek and it kind of reminded me of that. But Whenever anyways, I hear a scream, and it's, it's Laura. Laura yeah. So true enough. But um, but he rams his head into the glass and then we get that pullback shot of uh, his reflection. Yes, him with a head wound and. Who's in the reflection? Bob. Bob. Bob with a head wound. And then Co- the camera zooms in and Cooper looks past it and asks, How's Annie? How's Annie? How's Annie? <laughs> How's Annie? How's Annie? <laughs> How's Annie? <laughs> That's how we end it. So, yeah, literally, you cannot put that toothpaste back in the tube now. God. This is where we've left it. And there's a lot of interpretation going on about what this what this yeah. final scene actually means because, I mean, it's harrowing. It is. It's, it's oh. absolutely heartbreaking because Cooper is, he's been our, he was our gateway into this world. He was the guy we were supposed to identify with. He was our guy. Yeah. And he was the one, he was the Men hero. Men want to be him. Women want to be with him. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was the hero. Yeah. And he was such a stalwart figure, someone who represented pure good, um, who always tried to do good. And suddenly he is now inextricably linked with this horrifying force of evil. And we, yeah, every, the only other mirror shots that we've seen Bob Pierin with, with Leland. Yeah. So now, well, and in Fire Walk With Me, with, we had another one. Yes. But, um, yeah, so the thought is, is he going to be like Leland now? Is yeah. he going to be raping and killing and, and all sorts yeah. of stuff? So, and, it's, and, and for that to be the last thing that we see, we're left with all of those questions now playing in our forever. minds. Forever. Until Almost. May 21st. Yeah, exactly. Um, so from June 10th, 1991 until May 21st, 2017, that was our final image of Cooper. Yeah, and, and he's been... Now, people have said this means that he's been possessed by Bob. Yeah. Which is um, a... A very reasonable yeah. thing to say, and a lot of people are very adamant that he is possessed by Bob. Uh, David Lynch, in an interview that he did in about 97, 96 or 97, I think, very clearly 
And this is something that he never does. Never. He very clearly stated that there are two Coopers now. There's a good Cooper and a bad Cooper. It's not that Bob is possessing Dale Cooper. It's that Bob is with Cooper, this doppelganger who exists out in the world now, Cooper's double, is connected to Bob. So the final image is more of a metaphor, I think, than literal Bob inside of Cooper. Yeah. I think it's just... I think Bob is the evil that men do, and now that Cooper is... Doppel Cooper is in Cooper's body. He's going to be doing some evil. So sure. Bob is and, and Bob is just that physical, that visual representation of that. Yeah. Right? Because you can't have a guy walk around with white eyes <laughs> in the real world. People would figure out what yeah, was wrong with like, you. Mm, seemed pretty evil. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I, 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 I'm going to take Lynch at his word here, and I'm going to say there are two Coopers. Yeah. And one well, of them is trapped in the lodge. And yeah, he says as much in Firewalk, Firewalk with me. Firewalk me, and he does say that. Um, and he, he asks in I th- also in the missing pieces he asks where am I and how how can I get out right. while he's in the red room to the little man because uh, he's and that seems like the good Cooper yeah so there is yeah it seems pretty clear cut yeah actually but I mean it, what a place to leave it I mean absolutely that's just terrifying and ugh it's, and it's, it's just oh yeah it's it's amazing. a brutal it's a brutal way to end a series knowing that there's that there hasn't been any or knowing that there wouldn't be any more. Yeah. So when we first watched the series, there was no hope for, for a season three or or another movie or anything like that. Um, so it's just, it's, yeah, heartbreaking. I can't even put the, put the word on it. It's, it. No, there's, I, yeah, it's such a unique experience. And then to wind up there. Yeah. With that shot. And that line... And knowing what that means. Knowing what it means to look in the mirror and see Bob staring back at you because we've seen what that does to people. So knowing that that potentially is what will face Agent Cooper. Is just... Yeah, there's no single word for that that feeling. It's 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 disappointing and scary and like awe-inspiring in a way because it Mm -hmm. was such a, a... Like that... 18, 19 minute scene in yeah. the red room is just spellbinding to watch. It's, you have no idea what's going on, but it's terrifying and it's deeply emotional for Cooper. Like it's, it's harrowing in on his fears. And for us too, because yeah. it's, it's the culmination of everything we've been looking for throughout the series. Um, and it brings back so many characters like Laura, mm-hmm. who we haven't seen in forever and, um, and, and ties Laura, her yeah. back into the story. Yeah, yeah. And Maddie as well. So yeah, it's an amazing Piece. I mean, I think Joel Baco summed it up very well when he's he's like, "This is pure cinema." Yeah. That that red room scene, and the feeling you get when you get to the end of it, is is something only movies can do. You know. Yeah. And, and this is this is not only movie quality. This is this is really good movie quality right. stuff that we just watched. And the fact that it was able to be spread out over eighteen or nineteen or twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, means that you it is like a mini movie right it's 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 got a definite structure there's a start there's a middle point in fact that that moment where um the fade and everything with the fade and annie's name and everything is almost identical it's it's almost exactly the middle point of that sequence and then it ends where it ends and there's there's a sense that this is faded almost like we've talked about this in in previous episodes too that that there's a there's a, a, 
a kind of this is Cooper's destiny, yeah. you know, to do this. Um, when you take Firewalk with Me into account, you get the sense that Cooper had to go to the Red Room. He had to be trapped in the lodge because he had to give that warning to Laura in Firewalk with Me, and he couldn't have done that without Laura coming into his dream in the first episode so it's like this it it's a circle that just and and there's a lot of that in this episode we had you know earlier on with with ed and norma returning back to where they started and and shelly and bobby returning back to where they started and andy and lucy returning back to where they started it's almost like the whole series has reset itself all the characters have reset themselves um and here's cooper who is setting into motion five weeks later the events that will bring him to the series that will bring him to the town five weeks ago. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, this is, it plays with time in a way that back to the future could only really hope to. Yes. Well, it's not, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not that kind of show. Not, I know it's, it's that was friendly, me trying yeah, to be yeah. funny. No, but. no, but it's, I know what you mean. Like it's, it's, it's distorted our, our perception of what's happened when. Yeah, and exactly. How. Uh, in such a way that so it makes you want to really go back tell. and watch the pilot again right away because just to see knowing what you did or knowing what's happened and and uh, well and, and that's the thing I think it, it people you know hated Firewalk with me when it came right. out because it didn't it didn't progress this story but I feel like this what happens in Firewalk with me especially really kind of completes a bit of a circle back to does. this episode yeah like this episode and the Red Room sequence in particular is really part of, it feels like it should be part of Firewalk With Me because it explains, uh, there's a bunch of scenes, especially in the extended cuts, the uh, missing pieces of Cooper in the Red Room with the man from another place, talking to Laura, talking about Laura, talking about how to do things in the Red Room. Uh, and I feel like that 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 drives to those, those points of potential time travel or mm-hmm. uh, how dreams uh, interacted on the the past and the future. I mean, there's a scene with uh, Laura and Annie and her, Laura's dream sequence, which is, you know, yeah, five weeks in the future. Yeah. Coming back to talk to Laura and potentially try and save Cooper, potentially, five weeks in the future again. It's very, you know, it's all over the place. It's super confusing. Um, But this scene is really what kickstarts all that. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to think that None of this was in the script. You said the script for... Can you describe briefly how the ending was written? Right. So the script that was written by Peyton, Engels, and Frost um, was... It's almost none of it ended up on the screen. And especially all of this final act, the last 20 minutes, was almost entirely rewritten on the fly by David Lynch as he was directing it. Um, much to the ire and consternation of the actual writers. Um, so, the actual writers, the original The original writers, writers, writers yeah. yeah. Um, so, it keeps some of the elements. It, it really hammers home that this place is a physical place, which is something that I, I, I do think that David Lynch would not have... Well, he shies away from, but... Um, well, and giving an answer about the individual lodges like right. it, they, like the script made it sound like the black lodge was perhaps set in a great northern-esque place yes. right and he's not going to give that much concreteness to no. a single actual physical place right. like i think exactly. 
I think his interpretation of the supernatural world, once someone goes into it, is that it doesn't operate by realistic no and that's and and that's what happens is that when cooper arrives in the lodge he chases windham earl into the lodge basically and and um and it's described as a hole in space almost that he that he goes into um and and it changes based on the person who's entered into it it becomes a thing that they recognize which is very similar to what i said earlier about how annie sees the nun or the mother superior Mm -hmm. figure um in this in the original script it seems like that continues as you go into the the lodge. You see what you want to see, or you see what makes sense to you. So yeah. what Cooper sees is um, uh, his home. He he flashes back to his his childhood home. He becomes a boy. He turns into a nine or ten year old boy, and encounters the concierge at a hotel that I think must be connected to the Great Northern, and this was a, a link to that. And the, the concierge he recognizes as his own father. Mm. And there's other scenes that end up um, mirroring a kind of domestic, like a homey 1950s Leave it to Beaver sense. Like, obviously this wasn't filmed, so so we yeah. don't have any any like actual footage of it. But you can imagine that that would be kind of the, the way that they play it in kind of a black and white... In fact, some of it was written to be in black and white, but, mm. um, and yeah, so, so like the Annie Caroline mix up still happens and Wyndham Earl still shows up, but he's much more of a court jester type, type figure. As he has been. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm glad that didn't. But he is, he still makes the mistake of asking for Agent Cooper's soul, um, coercing it from him in a, in a very strange scene where Bob, um, appears as a dentist which um, is absurd in itself. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when I think of evil dentists, I think of the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors or something yeah, like yeah, Steve yeah, Martin yeah. with the yeah, laughing yeah. gas, yeah. right? So it, it, it's a trope. It's something that... Well, and, um, and it, like teeth have not been a, a theme or, or no. something of in Twin Peaks at all. No, so it's, it it's something yeah. that, that's external to the show. It's something, yeah. it's, it's part of our social landscape people are afraid of dentists people are afraid of going to the dentist so it's something that that sure it's it's real and it's a yeah it's tapping into a fear there a fear that, that we have as a society of, of about it's dentists not a twin peaks fear. it's not a twin peaks fear yeah. so so in that sense it, it it feels a little too real it feels a little too grounded in our reality um to be scary in that in the world that we're partaking in yeah um but yeah, he still traps Wyndham Earl and, and uh, Bob advances on Cooper with some kind of a syringe or something. And the screen kind of flashes. And I think Laura reaches her hand out to stop Bob. So she becomes a, a force, like she saves Cooper. But then we still get the same ending hmm. with Agent Cooper smashing his head and revealing and himself to be Bob or whatever. So, um, But I think it was much more clear that Bob was possessing Agent Cooper yeah. in the script as opposed to there being two Agent Coopers. Yeah. One that was good and one that was doppelganger. Um, which I think, for me, feels much more hopeful. That there's a way, maybe there's a way to reunify these two mm-hmm. halves and get a whole Agent Cooper at the end. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I think the return will... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could potentially show us. Yeah, I think that we've talked about our season three priorities, but I think that's that's 
definitely high on my list is to see if that's the focus of Agent Cooper and if Laura, what role Laura plays in that redemption and um, how it interacts with what happens in Fire Walk with me in the ring and the all, there's yeah. all these other pieces, right, that, yeah. that come together. But I think, yeah, those two characters, emotional journeys are at the center of Twin Peaks, especially for David Lynch. Yeah. And I well, and the other, fully expect them to be the core of. And I, I absolutely think they will be. Um, the other thing that that I wanted to bring up is, and we I kind of mentioned it earlier, is that um, one of the other big differences from the script to screen was that um, the the focus in the original script was on an external force that Agent Cooper was battling. Yes, and it's I think it's far more compelling that it's Cooper battling himself. Yes, it's the good side of Cooper battling the the bad side. Yeah. I guess. Um, well, and because, that side of his fear, you know, yeah, and that, exactly. that being expressed so viscerally in the in the red room. And I think this is something that um, that Lynch revisits in Fire Walk with Me, with Laura being mm-hmm. um, torn between her desire to do good, and she does have a great desire to do good, mm-hmm. compared to the bad things that she does, and we get that in the Secret Diary as well. Yeah. That um, that there are two Lauras really. And and for there to be two Coopers is a nice symmetry. So I think that we have this final episode to thank for what we get in Fire Walk with me. I also wanted to bring up um, the idea that the phrase Fire Walk with me has been kind of a nonsense phrase that's been thrown about as part of the poem. It's it's it doesn't really have much meaning. But I think if you think about the. If you think about the conflict being between a good side and a bad side, and if you consider how we've talked about this, and especially in the autobiography episode, um, how Cooper is a man who exists in binary states. He's either yeah. all good or all bad. He doesn't, or he, that's how he sees the world anyway. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel like there's any way to balance the two. Yeah. And his journey, it seems, is to find a way to walk that line it's almost like it's saying that fire which is your bad side has to walk walk with with you the good side side. so there has to be a marriage of the two and that's something that cooper has not been able to do and it's part of the reason why he why he's divided at the end and it's one of the things that um laura at the end of fire walk with me maybe can Reconcile mm-hmm. and is able to marry back together again. Yeah. So her halves come together. Yeah. Cooper's diverge. Yeah. So I think what we're left with is if Laura's story has come full circle at the end of Fire Walk with me, then Cooper's story is still left open. Yeah. At the end of 25 years, is the journey going to be reunifying Cooper into a single person? Yeah. Is that what the log lady says when only when you're everywhere can you be one, one. Yeah. is that the 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 linking again of yin and yang mm-hmm. and bringing that back to to a whole body again yeah yeah I think and that's, that's where laura might come into well yeah exactly right and in some way yeah no i think that's a that's a really good way to to kind of summarize where we where we wind up for for both those characters i think yeah it makes sense and I just love that that it's it's now the um, yeah. the these two characters that were really Laura was the first Laura was the reason 
Cooper was the way. Yeah. And then they they brought us into this town, into this world, and now we're we're coming back. And yeah. they they have to be central. We know that they are. Yeah. So what are we going to get? Yeah. That's, that's the that's big question. That's what we're going to find out. That's what we're going to find out. It's exciting. It's very exciting right now. Yes. So man, yeah. this has been such a journey. Yeah. We're, we're, we're finished the season, the two seasons, the 30 episodes. Uh, we have fire Firewalk next. with me coming up next week. We've got a big week planned. Yep. We've got tons of episodes, uh, coming at you. Um, and then we've got new episodes coming out and, uh, man, Thank you so much for for sticking with us yes. for all of these these great uh, these great episodes of TV um, for all of your comments and for all of your uh, theories and yes. for contributing to everything that you've that you've done mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter and on Facebook and everywhere everywhere and uh, man I just I don't even know what to say yeah. this is just such a great way to end I, I mean we couldn't have asked for a better a better ending to our our the first half of our podcast journey with all you fine folks so uh yeah looking forward to the next part and yeah 18 hours of pure heroin lynch yeah it's gonna be great it is gonna be great if you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash bickering peaks all one word You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at Bickering Peaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you. 